on today's show, we are getting to know Spencer. But first, a word from today's sponsors. Andre Psyche is the freelance creator extraordinaire, someone who makes music, poetry, art, clothing, and lives to make others feel good. Search him up on any social media. It's Andre Psyche. That's P-S-Y-C-H-E. The next time you are looking to add some creative stimulation to your social media circle. Patreon.com helps creators like me earn a monthly income that will be put towards podcast expenses. Support the Getting to Know You Pod's creative endeavors through Patreon for as little as $2 a month. There are all sorts of costs that I had no fucking idea about associated with posting podcasts, not to mention the need for equipment and production. So dear listeners, if you've enjoyed getting to know any of our guests or just want to help keep the pod going, go to our Patreon. The link's in the description and your support of the Getting to Know You pod is very much appreciated. Two bucks too much? Here are three free ways to help. Get your thumbs ready. One, push the subscribe button on whatever app you're listening to the Getting to Know You pod on. Did that? Thank you. Two, friend and follow the Getting to Know You pod on your social media like Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Go ahead, open those apps, click away if you haven't already. Thanks again. Three, go to Apple, write a review. The internet tells me this might be the most important and impactful. So thank you. Your support, dear listener, whether it's with your thumbs through our Patreon or ideally both, is greatly appreciated. And now, getting to know you. Hello. Getting to know you. Getting to know all about you. I'm going to do a terrific show today. Getting to Getting to hope you like me Because I'm good enough Getting to know you Putting it my way But nicely I'm smart enough You are precisely And doggone it My cup of tea And Spencer is a Canadian friend who is the second guest to have a repeat stint, man. Thank you so much for uh, taking the time to come on and letting people get to know more about you. I appreciate it. Well, thank you, Sean. I appreciate this. And Always a pleasure talking to you. Yeah, I, it, I don't know how to super balance the, hey, we meet and like we enjoy talking to each other, but like I have a life in Delaware and you have a life that's basically a prison in your apartment in Canada, right? And like, uh, how do you we couldn't hang be out further from the truth, my friend. But it's, I, I love, I love the fact that I've met you and just get to be a part of your, and it's not an offensive, but like the stupidity of your Instagram posts bring joy to my heart stupidity yeah like the voice dude the voice in the glasses for the love hello my good people of the internet yes like it's it's exactly i don't know it finds me exactly my mom mom says it comes off as pretentious but it's a character that i'm able to go right into and pretty much just speak from the heart and not have to worry about judgment from other people because i just don't give a fuck that's I, I, that's actually pretty common, right? Like people will create these, I don't know if they're, if tropes is the right word, but these characters so that 
it, it's satirish. Wasn't that um who's the dude who actually did that on TV? It wasn't John Oliver, was Stephen Colbert. Stephen yeah, Colbert. now look at Stephen Colbert. Now he's just a vaccine pusher. Yeah, right. Oh wait, I can't I can't say that word. Um um he's a pusher of needles. <laughs> he's pro jab. He wants you to inject yourselves. But it's it's funny, like why did you have to feel that you had to do that? Why do you have to create like the alter ego? Um, hmm, it's a good question. And it's something actually that my mother said to me the other day, and she was like, why do you have to talk in that accent or whatever? And it's just for some of the posts and the, some of the things that I make. And it's, like I say, it just allows, and maybe it's just because I'm starting to get a lot more comfortable in my skin and who I am. And it just kind of allows me to maybe say ridiculous stuff and not worry about the repercussions that might follow. Not that I care too much about that but it's more of a comfort like a like a, a magic cloak type deal if that makes sense yeah no, it, it it does man because i whether you become famous enough where people care to try to cancel or come at you right or whoever exactly but for some reason it's so mainstreamed to be fearful of judgment and the harsh repercussions of judgment and you're like i i, I want to avoid that you know, I feel like and, that's and, and, and to be honest, it's more or less to avoid the the judgments of my own inner critic. Like the, we're, our our own inner judge is the one that's always the most lethal, I find, in my opinion. So it allows me to just free flow and and go from there. And it's like I say, it's a magic cloak, and and my inner judge, my inner critic, just shuts off, and I just go with it, and you know. Some people absolutely love it. Some people hate it. And dude, I love it. Even though you can't I said please all was, the people, dude. Even though I said it was stupid, I'm like, it, it's just it, it's another layer because you have like the crazy breathing videos where I have no idea how like how you can suck your stomach in that far, right? The handstand <laughs> shit, the 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 fucking workout, like stupid, like just simple stupid workout things where you're like, yeah, I'm just being a goober, but. It's a very fit goober, right? And oh, the, yeah. the gardening, so there's a lot, the growing. There's it, a lot. Oh, no, go ahead, dude. Sorry. I'm just saying it's like so – it's an array of stuff. You almost know it's, – it's a buffet. You don't know what you're going to get, and it's really cool. So that's why yeah, I'm so yeah. happy that I got to meet you. Oh, uh, dude, likewise, likewise. And it's, it's cool how we continue – like, you know, you, you can continue following each other through, like, social media platforms, and you, you get to know a layer of, of someone – just one layer of the onion and then people make their own assumptions on that. And, uh, it goes from there, right. You know, the social media, we try and put our, our best effort forward or whatever, but our best face. And you know what? We're all, we're all just a fucking mess. We're all, we're all a mess and we're all trying to just keep our shit in a box. And some of us have it duct taped better than others. But I mean, at the end of the day, we're all broken and there's just varying degrees on how much you're working on it. And so I can come off as someone who's just, you know, aloof, the fool or whatever like that. But people who know me know that there's a hell of a lot more. There's so many deep layers. Like people, people who I love, they know, they, they know the know. They know the know. I let them in. Um, I did not expect you to say you do the persona more so for your own self-critic. Like that's, Absolutely. That's it allows me to free flow and just like if you watch those videos, like I am I am on point. Like I feel like there's no that that inner critic can just this shuts down and, and it's just like I'm in character and I'm just 
Whereas if I'm thinking and talking like this, like right now as I'm speaking to you, I'm like, oh, I got to make sure I sound, ah, you know, smart or enlightened or intellectual or whatever nonsense my my judge is telling me. Yeah, I didn't articulate something. My P was too hard, whatever. (laughs) Fuck, man. See, the biggest thing for me is like, all right, Sean, maybe you should curse a little less. <laughs> like how many F-bombs have you dropped in the past? Man, I almost need like a tally marker if Zoom could start recording that. And then you could be like, oh shit, it's been 13. My my curse words per minute ratio is above six or something. Like tone it down. But that's, I don't, does it come from somewhere? Like, do you listen to yourself and you're disappointed in how you come off sometimes or what? Mm, no, I wouldn't say that. Um Absolutely. I listen to myself and how I've come off. You want to, I mean, if you want, the, the better you get at orating and speaking like, so example, like I'm, I'm running my men's like yoga development program with uh, a bunch of guys in the next week. And I have like a 15 minute spiel that I go into and I'll be in this character, right? I'll be in me. Cause I'll be looking at each one of them. I've been practicing it. I know how it's going to go. Um, but I mean, when you go on Instagram and you're on whatever, I, I, I like to just play, have fun. Like not all my videos are like that. You know, you see me running and I just, I'm talking normally and I was running up, uh, sun's out, motherfucking runs out. Yeah, and I'm right. pretty much talking normal in those. Gotcha. It's just, man, I don't know. I hadn't thought, I wonder if I'm going to become self-conscious now. I wonder if you've awoken my inner critic. Well, I find the more the more awareness you start to bring into your own being, the more you start to notice your own neuroses, your own idiosyncratic habits that you have. And then that judge kicks in. And then so what I've been doing of late is just loving that judge. So when that judge kicks in and I hear him saying something about me, I'm just like, oh, hey, I hear you. I hear you, man. I love you. We're, we're the same. And I know you're just there to protect me. I fucking love you, bro. And it kind of just quiets it because it's, it's looking for attention. It's there to protect us. Yeah, right. Yeah, the, um, I forget whatever evolutionists were talking about, like why we're so drawn to negativity. And like mm. you, it can be rooted to like you needed to be negative to survive because like all the positive Absolutely. cheery whistlers were fucking dead because <laughs> the animals <laughs> of prey knew exactly where they were as they were like building their little nest. And it was like, nope, choo, out. And it was like, yeah, that, yeah. for some reason, whether it's super true or not, I don't know. But like, it makes very logical sense if you believe in like, you evolve from a place where like now we kind of take safety for granted, right? Mm. I feel like the majority of people in civilizations take safety for granted. And it wasn't- we, We've taken like, it beyond for granted. We've taken, we've made it our number one priority. Like I, I fall into the- group of safety third like that's the same people who burning man people talk about that like safety third but now it's like safety first like we must we must protect life at all cost even at the cost of living you must just stay locked up in your house don't go out don't speak your mind just speak what they want you to say it i i couldn't and i'm a decent arguer very, very early on with the COVID when like, it was the ultimate trump card of, yeah, but grandparents can die. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. like, once that was the up, that was like the tip of the spear. 
And when all the other shit was going wrong, masks and vaccines and, oh, get your mask, it'll stop the spread. No. Oh, we just need two weeks. No. Oh, get a vaccine. You won't catch anymore. No. Like so many no's from what was going on, but they always had the, so you don't care about other people's lives? You And... And I wasn't real, like, dude, I fucking went to the grocery store every day. I was like, I'm not getting in. I'll do the mask thing. I'll try to stay six feet apart from people. We won't have a ton of parties, but like I had to go out. I, I knew it wasn't yeah. healthy to fucking stay in and lock in when you're not meant to, but I could never get past the people when they were like, so you go out every day. You're not worried about killing your, your, your mother. And I was like, I, I don't like, damn, like, would I even know if I'm the reason she died? <laughs> like that was always my comeback. I'm like, like, if it's so contagious, how are you going to pin it on me? It's like a firing squad, right? Isn't that why you have 12 people shoot the bullet so that you don't know if you're the one who actually killed the criminal? That that was like the best I could do. And I'm like, that's hella insensitive. Like that can't be the reason. That's what I found so insidious about this, uh, this whole ordeal that they put us under in the last two years. It's to to essentially make every other human a vector of death and that in turn makes humans not communicate with one another to go i think i smell a little bit of bullshit but like i don't know i don't want to risk killing grandma because it could be me and now i mean if you <laughs> right now you can look around and pfizer's trying to get off of the NASDAQ. They're dumping stock left, right, and center. Moderna's dumping all their stock. There's a lot of shit that's coming out. So all these people who threatened me, or not, they never threatened me. They, they, um, I say, deleted me from their life or on Facebook or whatever because I spoke what I believe to be my truth. Um, they're kind of like, shit, shit. And, and you want to show them that, yeah, I'm like, hey, Take a look right here at this right now. And they're like, nope, nope. I don't want to look at uh, the elephant in the room at this point. I've already played Russian roulette. I survived it. Now it's your fucking turn to play Russian roulette. <laughs> it's like, okay, I'm I'm good. I I don't need this. And and Sean, this is this is the game of smoke and mirrors. They've always been like I've been I've been deep in the let's say rabbit hole since like 2006, and and it's just like. It's like, watch the right hand here. Well, the other hand is jerking off all over your face. <laughs> and that's the same, the same, it's the same thing and going then, on. And right then now afterwards, with, we're selling you a tissue for you to wipe it off with, which increases 100%, our stock price. All this, we got sanitizer to get that come off your face. No, all no. the sanitizer. But wait, the sanitizer has to be recalled now because it's causing problems and all and this throw stuff. that mask away because we have another one. We've we've stockpiled millions of those things, and we really oh, care man. about the environment. But now we need to have everything be single use disposable. Single use disposable. There's not a day that do. goes by that I don't come across like fifty masks on the ground. Like Dude, it's it, just Delaware horrendous. did a Delaware did a plastic bag ban in the middle of COVID. Right. Oh, so a plastic bag for your groceries when you go to the grocery store. And then there was a revolt. Some people went paper bags. Some stores tried to get like the thicker plastic bags that could actually meet what like recycling criteria. But you knew grocery stores after whatever, an adjustment period, three months, four months, they were just going to up the cost of shit that people buy to cover it. Like it's just, it's just like buying candy at a um, gas station. Like they sell you gas cheaper so that you buy stuff that's convenient in there. And I'm like, 
we care about those bags, but we're completely fine with these disposable masks. Like, what? Why, oh, yeah. Why is that? And we don't better? forget about the straws, the plastic straws. Remember that? We want to yeah. save the turtles. But I'll still go get takeout where uh, the container that's takeout is crap. That's All those little point. ramekins that have the sauces, yeah. you know, there, fuck them. No, no rule against takeout. Matter of fact, we encourage takeout. We said go to restaurants and go buy takeout because we won't let you use silverware. And here's more salt. And here's more Tabasco sauce. And here's more plastic spoons. And you're like, that are wrapped in fucking plastic. And you're like, how come that's okay? But the bags aren't in the grocery store. It was so weird, man. And it, to me, the cynicalness in me is it, it's money, right? Like somehow somebody influenced a politician, several politicians with donations. I feel like it always just is that simple. Money is very easy to pull it all back towards, right? Like why, why do you need to jab everyone up? Well, money like why do we need to get the kids jabbed up well more money like you know but then you start to see when you peel yourself back and this is going to go tinfoil-ish but when you start to look at all these events that happen whether we pull it back to the 2008 financial crisis 2001 or sorry 2003 iraq war 2001 world trade centers the vietnam war korean war world war ii this all it starts in more or less banker territory, like the bankers who finance both sides of wars and want to make money. But why, why else do they want to make money? Like they want to control, they want to control the narrative of the, of the people and what they believe. And we're living in this, this world now where mass media, as much as, as much as a lot of people are awakened to the, to the nonsense of it, so many people are swayed by, the repetitive nature of these stories being blasted, like, you know, going into the grocery store during the pandemic, you would have the speakers always blasting, stay six feet apart. There's stickers everywhere. Wear your mask, blah, blah, blah. And so the most, the most effective way to get someone to go along with anything or believe something is just through rep, rep, repetition, repetition, repetition. And that's how you learn any skill. Repeat, repeat, repeat. And so then we become even no matter how absurd it becomes, like the, the levels of absurdity now, like I used to think that it could not get any more absurd. And now I've like let that ceiling go. It is it is at a level where I'm like the ceiling just keeps going, going up and up and up. And I'm just like, all right, let's see what they're feeding the people now. And everyone's so addicted to information. We're so addicted to information in it. And it doesn't matter if it's right or wrong. It's the most salacious. It's the most outrageous. You post, they'll post a story that is like knowingly false or wrong, like the news will or something, but they know that they can redact it at a later date when everyone's already forgotten about what actually transpired and no one will pay attention to that redaction. So they'll still think like, oh, like whatever they said was true about X, Y, and Z. Well, and it doesn't, the redactions don't even get printed in as large or as a prominent spot as the initial story. Exactly. We're on the fucking back page, fifth page somewhere hidden. It's like, how is that legal? Like you really, you're supposed to be the trusted dude source and like you fuck up. You, that should almost be like, you should have to reprint the story with like a, 
smoker's warning label of like, this is what we jacked up. It shouldn't be at the very end of any sort of article. Cause honestly, like, like most things, a lot of people don't finish. <laughs> they get what they want and they get out, man. So, uh, yeah, we live in a world right now where it's uh, a two-minute information thing, or I want a three-hour info. Like, I want two minutes of something, if that, or three hours of of podcasts. Like, there's no in between. Like, the half-hour shows are dead. No one's paying attention to that. So it's the people who want. There's nuance who will listen and pay attention to that. Or and then there's people who are just like, I only want that <laughs> salaciousness thrown the at me. They want the pop. They want the pop, man. I'm curious. So here, and it's not like Canada is a whole nother country, although Canada is a whole nother country, but it seems like it's very similar to the U.S. So just for me, news-wise, it's CNN if you're kind of on the left, I guess MSNBC if you're super on the left, and then Fox if you're on the right. And I don't know, Mm -hmm, and that's mm -hmm. the whole propaganda thing, right? CNN was huge on the, the masks, the masks. And I actually, I think... What I gravitate towards most is CNN because I try to approach it as a questioning way. I feel like for some reason Fox is just way, I don't even know how to say it, like way, way too like empty calorie. They, they don't ever get specific where I feel like at least CNN tries to be specific about their particular viewpoint they want to pass across. But all well, that to say, I'm wondering what's up with Canada's news and what do you oh, all do for TV? Ready for this? Okay. Um, so... I mean, back in the day, the news was kind of supposed to be, this is the news. I don't have an opinion, but uh, this is the objective things here. I'm just trying to report them, yada, yada, yada. Now it's become, like I said, like you said, Fox News, right wing, uh, CNN, left wing, you know, maybe something in the middle somewhere. I don't know. There's the extremes. And so up here in Canada, we have... Our main news source is called CBC, the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation. And we also have another one called uh, like CTV and maybe Global City TV. And they're all pretty left, left-leaning media. CBC, uh, I used to value the programming and the reporting on that show because it did seem what somewhat uh less opinionated and more like here's what's going on that we know and understand you guys can make the choice um somewhere along the line in the last five years or so uh the canadian broadcasting corporation got uh about 600 million dollars from the government of Canada, the liberal government, the Justin Trudeau government. And he even gloats in a video, which someone could look up on YouTube of how, do you want to know why the news doesn't ask us those hard questions? Well, it's because we paid them $600 million. That's like, that's like going back to bank subsidies. I was actually listening to Naval, um, cause the dude I was recording with last night, I came up yeah, on a Naval post. So I was re-listening to him on Rogan and um, he was talking about banks and how banks get to profit on positives in the risks, but get bailed out on all negative aspects of risks. And you never, you don't want that for news. Like it sucks that it's for banks because all that does is they just take wild ass risks and then they know they're okay and they get their golden parachutes. But to hear that about mm-hmm. the news, man, to hear that 600 million for the fucking government, like 
I don't know if that's the American in me of like freedom of the press type shit or like we want hard questions. Like you cannot, you should not be banned from the White House, mm-hmm. right? Type stuff. Yeah, that, the, that's the, the, there's a news station up here in Canada now. It's called Rebel News, and Rebel News uh, gets lambasted and called like right wing, far right, conspiracy theory, racist. What all the the names that they use to shut down conversation and discredit. But, uh, like, they, they're they actually trying to explain what's happening here. They're, ask, they're asking questions that, you know, people don't like tough questions. They, they want those softballs thrown in at them at a nice pace. They don't want to be thrown off guard. And, and, and surprisingly, to, to talk back to American news, like, you know, Tucker Carlson, right, in the uh, – Fox News, like that guy, like I remember 10 years ago, I'd be like, who the fuck is this guy that is stupid bow tie and great all hair, this talking? Though. You had to appreciate the hair. Oh, yeah, great hair. And <laughs> and the last like three years or so, like listening to his programs, I've been like, I cannot believe that he is the one now who is actually asking the questions that are most pertinent in an actual conversation with someone about something that's going on in the world. Like, so it's, it's, it's really hard to decipher what, what truthfulness is and where the truth lies. Like the, it's, it's all about like perception is, is more of the case than reality. Like reality takes a backseat to perception. So for us, and the thing that fucks with me is the, when they start to manipulate what your perception is, right? Cause at first, it's COVID's going to kill you. Then it's COVID's highly contagious. Then it's our hospitals can't take it. Then it's summer and we're cool. Then it's variants like a motherfucker and we don't even know if the vaccines got it. Then it's hospitals are going crazy again. Don't know. Overloaded. Oh, my God. And like all I wanted was it got to the point, dude, where I couldn't trust CDC stats where I'm looking and I'm like, I don't see the trend lines, man. Like you're telling mm-hmm. me after we went through a year of COVID, we didn't figure out like how to build additional wings or some shit, or we didn't get exactly. more staff. Like you had a fucking year to prepare. We don't have some weird backup plan that we can now pull out within a week and a half. Like it, it was very odd to me. And I'm curious if it was similar in Canada where they kept going like death rate, death rate. Oh my God. And showing you these like crazy bar graphs that look like they're spiking but then if you look at the intervals, you're like, ah, well, if you zoomed out or maybe instead of saying COVID is 300% higher, you're like, yeah, or there, we went from 10 cases to 30. <laughs> There's 20 yeah. more cases, not that big of a deal. <laughs> like, I, I guess I was one, I don't know, a long ass way to ask, like, did you notice any ways that they were trying to manipulate? Well, absolutely. So there's a great uh, quote that says, statistics don't lie but liars use statistics. <laughs> and so it's all about what they're showing and how to look. And if you if you wanted to take the time and go onto the government websites and see the actual shit, you, you'd see a discrepancy of what they're showing as opposed to what is actually going on. And, and like you said, it's like, why couldn't they build an extra hospital wing or hire more nurses or hire, hire whatever? Instead, they decided to take that money and buy stickers to tell us to stand six feet apart or sanitizers whatever they spent their money on um it's 
It's at this point. Go ahead. It's overwhelming to think about. <laughs> it's it's so well. I'll put it to you this way as well. So our uh, we have a premier in Ontario, which is kind of like a governor. So our governor of our province, our state, whatever, his name's Doug Ford, and Doug Ford owns a labeling business, like a like a decal, like so he makes like stickers, labels, all that jazz. So his company was responsible for creating all those COVID stickers and all those COVID bands. Let's call it propaganda, all the propaganda. And his net worth went from the beginning of the pandemic from, I think, roughly $3 million to, I think he's around $50 million now. There's a lot of stickers they got to print. Stop, dude. Are you serious? Mm-hmm. I'm serious. His daughter, his daughter is so far out there on social media. And she's like, like, she's like, let's call it red pill. Like, I think that's the phrase we all use now for the kids because it's become so prevalent. And, um, and she's just like, she even came out and said, you know what? My dad, Doug Ford is not even vaccinated and neither are his children. And he's out there lambast people to, you know, just go get the shot. We need to get shots in everyone's arms. And at this point, it's so comical. If you're not paying attention, like these our government, are these officials, whether they be Australia, Canada, the United States, Britain, like any of these G8 countries, they are the number one advertisers for these pharmaceutical companies. And it's even deeper than that. And um, because you, you take it, you pull it back to pensions. A lot of pensions are tied to pharmaceutical stocks. And so if the pharmaceutical companies do, do not make their quotas, their predictions, their forecasts, their profits. A lot of these pensions will fail. So it's like it's 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 way bigger than just oh we need to make money for whatever we're greedy. It's like the whole system's kind of built on this lie of greed and and. I just... haven't even considered pensions, man. And like so, I watch billions on Showtime. I actually had to stop once the redheaded dude Axel went off it, it whatever season four that's a good I, show I, I fucked. but like the first three seasons it was really interesting and i remember the firefighters pension but i hadn't even considered that like i'm a fucking teacher like i'm counting te- i guarantee you your pension is tied into pharmaceutical stocks i've never even thought about how my pension is making money and guaranteeing that i get 53 percent of my salary when i'm done with my years like mm-hmm. but that wow mm-hmm. so, so it's 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 deep, man. It's not just about greed, even though that's primarily how we're we're living in right now. Like, so myself being a yogi, I uh, I I follow the cycles of what that would be called the, uh, the the what do they call it the the yoga cycles of time, right? And I, there's like the golden. Uh, I wish I had some notes here. There's like the golden era. Um, Something there's four eras, and I'm fucking this up right now. I wish I had notes, but right right now we're in we're in now what they call the Kali Yuga, which is the the era of materialism, uh, strife, and um, hypocrisy, and you can see it left, right, and center. Like people are just fighting for a slice of pie, fighting for notoriety. Um, it's like an insatiable appetite. Like they're never full. That that's where I never full. start to 
question it. It's like, when is, it's, it's such an easy saying, but like, when is enough enough? When is content met? And it seems like it's never met. I, there, there was a news article down here and the headline was $13 billion sent to the Ukraine for, um, I, right. to assist. But it wasn't a $13 billion bill. $13 billion was a part of a house spending bill that went to the Ukraine. And I, I've read the fucking article. I didn't even know how much the bill was actually for. I just know we're in debt like a motherfucker and it was going to be a government shutdown. And then however that works, they agree to like kick that down the road. And they're like, hey, we can grab another $8 billion to band-aid this up. And you're like, but it's 2,735 pages, I think. And I was like, y'all got that five no hours No one's going to read that. You no one's going to read that five shit. hours before you had to vote. But like, can you imagine just slipping in a paragraph in that? Slipping in two lines for like an itemized deduction of $500,000 goes to my printing shop as, as whatever for a quota of 800 safety stickers. Mm-hmm. And like, who's going to ever go through and catch that in a timely manner to stop it? It's, it's weird that, and, but they need it for some reason. Like the dude with 3 million as, as a governor. Why do you need to have $50 million? Like, so, why do you even need that? Well, here, here's the deal. So, you remember, you know the movie The Godfather, right? Yes. It's classic, classic movie. Love it. And, like, in that movie, you know, they're deemed gangsters or mafia, whatever you want to call them. So, I aken the government the people above the government, the people who run the world as the number one gangsters in the entire fucking world. Like these people are, they've, they've legitimized stealing thievery robbery. And if you don't play the game that the way that they want you to play it, then you're a mafia. Then you're a mafioso. Then you're, then you're the godfather type. Then you're the drug dealer type or whatever they want to label it as. But the racket that's played, throughout the world and more and more people are starting to sniff what the fuck is going on and then they shut that down with well you're a racist or you're these bandied conspiracy theorists or whatever the term is to have people like i said look at the right hand while the left hand's jerking off on your face dude so and just the jerk off didn't make me think about this but the mafia part made me think about this which was I remember right before the COVID lockdown, I think it was February, there were people on uh, some sort of Intel committee, I believe it was three or four senators that sold a bunch of stocks and they wind up profiting whatever, $1.3 million, I want to say. It's now two years later and Pelosi in America is still fighting the fact that you should be able to buy and sell stocks as a person who fucking puts regulations on companies. Like, Obviously, if you get to get Zuckerberg and talk to him for 12 hours and you know that shit is coming up six months down the road, you know if you're going to kind of fuck him a little bit or not in order to make that stock price drop. You know you're going to like make a sanction, make people unnervous. And it's like, why are you even able? Why should your family even be able to? You should have like three degrees of separation between your ability to make laws and your ability to profit from the rules of games. And I'm curious about sentiment because even though people know that's happening, she's still in office. She still has authority and power. She, no one, I don't think anyone's in jail. It just seemed to be this weird, we'll consider some legislation. And I'm, I'm wondering about how like the people up there, 
to me, dude, you go from 3 million to 50 million and your fucking company is printing stickers that you're using our tax dollars for, by the way, that we can't even go out and now like really earn. Um, mm-hmm, how did mm-hmm. that go? Is the dude like polling terribly? Is Were there protests or anything? Or was it well, just like, eh? What he's done, he's, he's up for re-election in, I think, June. And what he what he, he's thrown a bone to the people saying that, so we, in Canada and Ontario, you have to pay uh, every year for a license plate sticker to like, I, I don't know what the law means. Like we have to pay like, $60 a year so you can have your tags on your license plate sticker. Do you have guys, do you guys have something similar to that? Yeah, so we can go a couple years. I think in Delaware it's like 25 where like you go get an emissions test, you go have your brakes checked, you make sure all your headlights This work. has nothing to do with that. This is you don't need to get any of that checked. You just have to get your sticker. Stop, dude. They yeah, don't even put so, up like a a pony show of like, "Hey, we're making sure your car isn't They tell us it's safe. We're deeming your wow. car safe for travel for public safety." Mm-hmm. Most of the rackets they run are for our safety. Yeah, right. <laughs> so what Doug Ford has done, because the re-election's coming up, they're scrapping the Ontario license plate renewal sticker now. He's like, I'm going to get rid of it. So because it's ridiculously redundant, for one, and it's just a cash grab. And uh, so... That's how he's trying are, to appease the masses. That's what he's trying to do at this point, because, I, I mean, he shut down the... I mean, like I say, like Canada has been thoroughly locked down and shut down for the last couple of years in a, in a, in a, in a way. And most people are like, well, how are you, how are you, like people around the world, my friends are like, how are you, how are you hanging out in the lockdown? Like, how are you doing? And I'm like, I haven't changed my life one fucking bit. Like I go out, I do what I can. Sure. I can't go to some places, but, um, Freedom really starts in the mind, right? And you're you're only as free as your own level of how do we say uh, self 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 discipline in yourself. Like how much work have you done in yourself will allow the level of freedom that you're able to move forward with. And so I've looked at this whole thing as a, as a time to go inward, always, always question like the fifth agreement in from the, the, from Don Miguel Ruiz is be skeptical, but learn to listen. So I've listened to this horse shit nonstop. And I've noticed how many times it's triggered me. And I said, how do you people keep swallowing this nonsense? And I've caught myself getting mad. But at this point, at this point, I'm just kind of like, look, you guys want to walk around outside wearing a mask by yourself? Fine. If you want to drive around in your car wearing a mask, fine. Like, I'm not going to allow you to take that inner peace out of me anymore. Same with what's rolling into this whole Ukraine thing. Like, all of a sudden, everyone's like, I stand with Ukraine. Let's give them $13 billion or whatever the bill is. And let's, let's give them that. But when the Canadian truckers come to get freedom for us it's like oh fuck them they're racist let's stop them from getting money let's ban like did you hear about what happened to the gofundme yeah i heard you got put on a terror it was one of the things because i hadn't read about it but i just heard on like the news clips as i'm driving on talk radio was like people's accounts were literally frozen if they donated to gofundme for the truckers they were deemed Mm -hmm. international or i don't know if it's international terrorists but like the equivalent of terrorists? 
Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And like to circle back to the age of hypocrisy, which we're living in. So we have our politicians. Um, uh, they're out there protesting for Ukraine. And don't get me, I want to be clear here. I am pro people. I am pro Ukraine. I am pro not war. Like, I don't like any of this shit. But the hypocrisy of uh, we're going to protest, we want to allow the Russians to give the right to protest. Like, we, we, they should have the uh, right to protest their government and blah, 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 blah. But then our politicians behind closed doors are passing laws that permit or that prohibit us Canadians from protesting. Yeah. Protesting what specific? What they don't like. Uh, uh, lockdowns. Uh, you know, uh, vaccine mandate or jabby so, mandates, you know? Yeah. So, so that was very similar. And that's when I kind of knew COVID was bullshit as far as like the fear when we had the, when the black lives matter protests, the George Floyd protests were blowing up all over the major cities, Minneapolis, Los mm -hmm. Angeles, and you're seeing thousands and thousands of people walking shoulder to shoulder hours on end yelling, screaming there's a lot of spittle and there were no epicenters that swallowed these metropolitan areas it, it was like COVID kind of stayed the same and i was like that don't make no fucking sense but it was interesting because the argument was we're on lockdown however they have a right to protest and it's like wait wait you have rights to so then everyone can just protest right but like how come you get to judge protesting as being worthy or just it was very weird to me, um, and I not really ever like tried to figure out should there be that line, like how do you tell people it's not good enough to protest or we're going to stop your protest? Well, it's they're they're going to agree with the protest that they like, and the ones that they don't like, they're going to shut down, right? And so what they did with this Canadian trucker one was it it had so much traction, like it was huge, like when these truckers were driving across the country towards Canada, like every overpass was littered with people like supporting them. Like you had children writing letters to these truckers saying, thank you for, you know, stepping up and doing this stuff. Like it was, it, like, like I'm almost like, like, I get emotional thinking about like just all this stuff that went transpired. And then they got to Ottawa for those two weeks. The government knew that, this was bigger than they could deal with. So they tried to turn it into like any kind of person or any, any kind of entity wants to do when they don't agree with it. They shut it down with the rhetoric of, well, it's racist. It's, it's conspiracy. These people are Trump supporters or whatever they can do to sway the, the people who actually really don't pay attention because the majority of people don't pay attention and it's not because they don't want to necessarily, but it's because, you know, they're busy and, and, and they got to go to work. They got to raise their children. And so they, they go, I only got 15 minutes to get my little hit on the news or whatever they're going to tell me. I don't, uh, I can't really look into anything else. So when they started I'm, saying this, can, can I pause you? Cause I, I didn't get to hear any of how, they tried to portray the truckers as being negative. To be honest with you, like I didn't, it seemed, and actually maybe I should have asked this, like my understanding of the trucker thing was like, you can't do your job. You can't transport shit unless you get vaccinated. And the trucks or truckers were like, dude, we stay in a fucking shell. 
Like why? Ninety percent not... of them were vaccinated too. Ninety. It's the freedom of choice. Like it was. They were. They were almost standing up for everyone's rights. There It was kind of like we're here to stand up for your right to choose. Your right to choosing. Again, it is like. But how everyone you... played Russian roulette, and they were like, "So you all have to play Russian roulette too." How did they try to villainize that though? Like, what was the negative? Uh, they again, there was. I mean, again, you get twenty thousand or hundred thousand. Let's say you get a hundred thousand people. Let's just make it easy. That's a thousand people. You're you're gonna have out of a thousand people. Let's say one percent of those people are maybe idiots, jackasses, or whatever. So that's you know what oh, ten people out of a thousand. No way, is that a hundred? No, yeah, uh, ten. Ten percent's a hundred. Okay, so so you got you got ten people there. So those ten people might be walking around with like stupid flags. So there's like uh, they they played this this one picture that was so prevalent was this swastika person carrying a swastika, and then they had here's the here's the one funny thing, Justin Trudeau, one of Justin Trudeau's uh, main photographers was following this group of people around taking pictures of this group of people showing this flag. And then they tried to say that we defaced the Terry Fox monument. And Terry Fox is this famous Canadian runner who ran across the province fighting for cancer with one leg. And there's this big monument in Canada. And so some people had put a Canadian flag around him and said like, uh, uh, your right to choose type stuff. And they were like, oh, you defaced it. And then they were trying to say that we were defacing the war monument of from the World War II soldiers, World War I soldiers, et cetera. And then you have so many veteran, veterans surrounding it saying, that's not the case. Like, that's not the case. Look at us all right here. We're not, it's controlling the narrative is what they're trying to do. They're trying to manipulate, sway, whatever they can to make things go in the way that they want the things, the people to believe. It that's interesting. The when you have paid specialists to portray events, you get it, it's hard, man. Like you always want as wide of a shot as possible for context. The wider, the better for context. And that's interesting that you say it was they found that one dude who, hey man, you're you're off. You're, like you're you're with us, but we don't. You're not actually with us. You're not here for the principles of freedom. But for some mm -hmm. reason, you're with this group, and now we're guilty by association for you. That's so. That was the image, huh? Were there any images oh, yeah. for the defacing, like graffiti, pens breaking? It or... was the most peaceful protest that in the history of protests that I've seen. Like it was, like I had friends go up there, and they said it was like, like it was like a Burning Man almost. Like there's everyone was giving out free everything, free food, free love, free hugs, and. Like the truckers were so taken care of, but all the donations were going in to help the truckers pay for hanging out there, hotel rooms. Um, you had every race, read or sorry, race, creed, nationality, all that jazz, all there doing their thing. But it was just, uh, uh, you know, you had CBC there trying to find those aspects where they could. You know, zoom in on just those 
those. What they got paid for, man. Hey, man, you get paid $600 million. Go get that photo I need. Like that. Yeah. If you paid attention to the live streams of people who were down there, like uh, there's a few people who were just showing it straight up. They were like filming the CBC as they were like showing the smoke and mirrors here. And then like right here, like, no, look, like, no, look, like you're lying. Like we're watching you lie. But again, the average Joe is not paying attention to the people who are there. They're paying attention to that little five second blurb on the news. Yeah. Cause it's easier, dude. That's the saving grace in me as a 40 year old. It's even hard for me to find like whatever the hashtag is or whatever's trending so that I can just start scrolling through people live streaming. Cause to me, that's the best way to get an idea of like what the fuck's going on somewhere. Cause you hear people mm-hmm. making comments, you get the randomness, you get a better sense of the randomness cause it doesn't seem produced. Cause as soon as you're producing, as soon as you're trying to manipulate the environment for a better shot, cause you're educated on that, you've lost, you've lost truth because now you've brought yeah. in a filter. Well, that's what they've been doing since the beginning of time, since they've been able to, you know, since the first papers came out, yeah. since the mass printing press. So you look at what's going on now, like COVID's kind of gone. Like, have you heard of Anthony Fauci lately? No. Yeah, dude, um, that's, but I, that's pretty amazing. Um, was he a big deal in Canada? Like, were y'all listening to him, waiting on his speeches and stuff? Oh, yeah. That's we amazing. have our own czar named Teresa Tam, and she's actually come out and said uh, she's our medical czar, I guess what you would call. And she's even come out and said, so when the winter comes, we might have to do more lockdowns, more masks and all that. And it's like... Prepping you already for the third one? Prepping us all. Because like the flu comes out in the fucking winter, right? Yeah, it, we've always just kind of accepted it. <laughs> So it's, but now the narrative is like, again, I've taken myself out of a lot of stuff lately and not paid too much attention because it's like, the more you, it takes away from your progress in life. Like if you want to progress and you're paying attention to doom, gloom, despair, you're not going to move forward. So yes. I'm curious as to what's going on on, on what you guys are hearing about the, the whole Ukraine narrative. Oh, dude, I don't honestly know too much um other than <laughs> i got really into it the first day when the um ghost fighter killed like or took down the six jets and then i turned out to be a simulation the ghost of kiev yeah the and, then, of and kiev, then i was yeah. like man if this is fucked like man i can't i can't i can't i can't have this taken away from me because it was so fucking cool <laughs> immediately and now i'm just gonna go back to trusting everything but basically it, it's like we're in a weird place because again, with my limited understanding, we're trying to support the Ukraine, but we can't send too much shit there because that could be construed as an act of war where there would be retaliation. And we can't poke Putin enough to have him feel boxed in where he retaliates with chemicals or nukes. So it's basically the people going there and all the stories have been on immigrants flooding into Poland and humanitarian efforts and you know shots with kids trying to get stuffed animals packed lines of people looking for food stories of crates being dropped off in the streets of Kiv. And like you were an accountant Monday. Yes. I felt like I needed to fight for my country or pictures of fathers putting families on buses. Um, but I haven't read a ton because honestly, like after that, after the ghost fighter went down, I was like, 
do I, can I even believe this footage now? Cause the footage felt legit. Like I was telling you about, like, it was just streamed. And I was like, dude, this is cool. Somebody fucking caught this over a neighborhood. It's like, it's a simulation. And there were TikToks of Russians. Yeah. There were TikToks of Russians being dropped in there. And like, they were whatever saying, whatever in Russian, it seemed like a game to them. And now they're going with the, we thought this was a war game. We didn't think it was real. And it seems like the Russians or a bunch of confused bitches, which doesn't line up with what I've known as Russians who come to Delaware and work. They're fucking smart and they're fucking tough and they know what's going on. And I doubt if you took signs off of a highway with, I don't know, cell phones and 5G, you couldn't fucking find a city. Like that, that's weird to me. Like the Ukrainians have outsmarted the Russians. They've, they've painted over directions on the highway and the Russians don't know where to go. And you're like, like, can't they just Google it? it it's right. like the whole, that it, it didn't make sense. And then the Russians, they don't have gas and they don't have food and they're so unorganized. And I'm like, is that what's happening? I, I don't know. Man. I think that, I think the primary goal of, of media now is to confuse people to the point where they don't know what's true anymore. So you and then watch sure more. The, so you watch more. So, so you watch more. So you stay plugged in. So you stay consuming because that's how they sell ads. Mm. Beyond ads, it's, it's selling a, a narrative too. And uh, when you really peel back the layers of, okay, so what they say is, oh, Putin's evil. He's moving in. And who, like I was, ta- I was having breakfast with some friends the other day. And one guy said to me, he's like, I can't believe Putin just invades another country. Like, why the fuck would he just go in and invade another country? Like, you just can't do that. And again, not understanding geopolitics and how this whole, what I want to call stage theater works is you can find multiple videos of Vladimir Putin hanging out with George W. Bush, Prince Charles, Bill Clinton, all the leaders of the free world. And, and they're laughing, they're dancing, they're playing. And so when you start to pull back, you start to wonder, okay, well, why is this happening right now? Well, there's, there's a shift in the whole global world right now. And so people in the know who have been steering economic policies, uh, consumption of, of resources, they know that the way that the Western world has been just sucking everything up and taking it all is unsustainable. But you can't just say, hey, hey, you fatties, everyone who's just consuming, 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 you got to stop it. They're not just going to stop. So they kind of got to play this whole narrative of, well, here comes COVID. Um, so economy is starting to crash, blah, 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 blah. Oh, here comes a war. So now gas is going up. Like you got to stop consuming, stop consuming. I mean, part of me likes to think that this is, you know, people aren't just, sure, there's some evil people who are just evil, but evil people don't go, hey, I'm just going to be evil for the sake of it. They're like, this is for the greater good, but I can't sell this evil, bad stuff. I I need to make a story behind why we're doing what we're doing. Why would they want to put a stop to consumption, though? Isn't consumption good for the people who are producing? Absolutely. But when it's unsustainable, it's getting to the point where it's becoming unsustainable, right? 
that's why you're going to see the next, like, once we finish with this Ukraine war, it's going to be the, uh, the climate, like the climate crisis. Like you, you, you can't drive too far. You need to get an electric car. Your car, they're going to hammer us with more carbon tax. Like, like at the end of the day, we're, it's about making, oh, it's going to sound, how do I say this? So it's, it's about making people more beholden to the people who own more above them. And it's like, if you ever were to go into the World Economic Forum and follow Klaus Schwab and those clique of people, they, they have a whole story of, in the future, you will own nothing, but you will be happy, right? I don't know if you've uh-uh. dived into that. And so what will happen is you won't own anything, you will rent everything, and it will be brought to you by drones. And then you ask yourself, well, who in the fuck is going to own it then? Is it going to be you guys? Like, and then part of me, like, like, I look at it like, you know what, like, like, I'm in health and wellness, and I try and coach people to like better their lives and all that stuff. And I, I look at how people live such an unconscious life and don't really pay attention to much other than their immediate gratification and wanting to feel better in that moment. And so like example, people can't even sort their fucking recycling rate in my building. Like uh, there's so many days where the, <laughs> the, 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 the superintendents like, look, put the paper stuff in the paper box and the, the plastic stuff in the fucking plastic box. And people can't do that. So we're living in a world where people are either lazy, unconscious, not thinking, just consuming. And, and it's not necessarily their fault. It's just that we've become like almost hypnotized by this, like by, by our screens, by our, by our, our feelings. We want to feel better. So like, like, like example, like I know I shouldn't like eat a whole big bag of ketchup chips, but like I'll emotionally manipulate myself and talk, negotiate into eating that whole bag of chips. And that's not really a bad thing, but then there's people who are like, Oh, I know I shouldn't drink all this beer. I know I shouldn't eat all this sugar. I know I shouldn't talk shit about my friends, but I do it anyways. And it's not because I don't know any better. It's just because I, I, I don't, I want to feel better. And and me doing these, what I call tiny acts of violence against ourselves. It's, it starts out small. It's a very small thing. Like, you know, like not going to the gym when you say you're going to go to the gym it's not a big deal, but when we re- habitually repeat this stuff, it becomes compounded. And then we're in a, in a world right now where, I mean, you look around and it's, it's insanity. It's, it's like I said, like I go for a hike. Like today I was hiking and there's garbage everywhere. And I'm like, why do people just throw their garbage on the fucking ground? Why can't they just put it in their pocket and wait till they find a garbage can or whatever like that? And it's, that person's a hurting person. They're, they just want to feel better. Whatever they're doing right now, they're doing it to feel better. I see that. I don't know. I, I jog on country roads um, and I'm amazed at the litter. And it's it's interesting you say hurt where I went like, I, I think of selfish and inconsiderate. Like if I'm going to classify, mm-hmm. if I'm going to label them. 
Um, I don't know what it would, if there is one thing though, or if it's just, if it just comes down to, they don't have to deal with the consequence of it. What do you think would make someone want to be selfish or inconsiderate? Oh, yeah, I've never thought about it. I feel like it's going to lead to... Are they born that way? Are they they just born like I'm a selfish, inconsiderate person? Yeah, right. I feel like you've asked the question to lead me to say that they're hurting. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, but absolutely. And then and, and that hurt, they're like, well, I'm hurting, so I'm gonna hurt someone else. Because it's like that's that old saying, hurt people, hurt people. Hurt people, hurt people. Yeah, I'm trying to think about that. Why are you inconsiderate? Because maybe you didn't get the attention. We deal with it with kids a lot, man. A lot. I fucking mm-hmm. psychoanalyze and it it's weird. I'm to this point in my life where like I'm I'm teetering on am I Am I being too considerate? Do I need to be more strict with my lines? Because if you're getting tested and you're excusing behavior you know is inappropriate, even though you understand why you're acting that way. I can sit next to a kid and they'll be like, God damn it, leave me the fuck alone. Well, Teresa, remember, you're not supposed to curse at adults who are here to help you. And I'm just helping you to answer this question because intelligence matters. Like normally you'd be like out, you ain't disrespecting me, you know, but yeah. like, yeah, that's but, what happened to me in school. Yeah. Right. But like now it's like, is it better for that kid? Aren't they saying that because they're upset or because they're hurt, hurting in some way. And what you want to do is make a connection to try to heal that hurt, to try to help them overcome that trauma. And now like I'm mm. trying to scale that out to litterers. And people who cut you off in traffic. And it's like, are you are you that inconsiderate? You didn't use a turn signal. You had to slam on your brakes because you're hurting okay, inside? Say fuck you. Yeah, right? Like, because you're hurting inside? I have, I have a good simple? hack for that. I have a really good hack for when someone cuts me off in traffic. So instead of like getting frustrated or mad, I'm just like, oh, that person probably has some mad diarrhea right now. And they just need to get home and take a shit. Dude, I started blowing people kisses, hoping that they look. I just go, and I put my hand up. Like, I'm just like, go with it. I think that's going to make them more mad. It's like, you know, if you're getting a fight with your girlfriend and you start acting nice or something like that, yeah. and you're like, ah, oh, yeah, it's all good, baby. It's yeah. all good. And they're like, why aren't you getting mad, motherfucker? Exactly. And you're like, oh, no, we're cool. That's why I do it. But I guess I do that because I'm hurt by the fact that they hurt me. <laughs> and I want them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, that's interesting. How, no, how old are the kids that you teach? Uh, so it's middle school. It's anywhere from 11 to 14. How long have you been teaching kids that, uh, for, for how long? It's going on almost 15 years at this point. Have you noticed the discrepancy from 15 years ago to now and how their behavior is? I don't, like, dude, I don't even know if I was paying attention. I, I think that, <laughs> you know, like, I mean, you're, you're so in the moment and it's a survival thing. Um, it, it's definitely seems different. This year, um, coming back from COVID. So I don't know what schools were like in Canada or I don't know what they're like now, but basically... They're indoctrination camps, my friend. (laughs) I just meant with like kids being able to go. So like in America, COVID happens in February. Schools just are done. And like in Delaware, the governor came out and was like, nobody will be penalized for COVID, which the kids read... With two months what of school. What do you mean by no one will be penalized for COVID? I don't know what that means. So if you don't do any of your work, you don't fail. You don't get held back. Oh, God. So tell that to a bunch so, of kids yeah. in April with two more months of school to go. Like, 
we saw nobody on, yeah, nobody on Zoom, nobody doing remote assignments. And basically what started happening was we have this thing called Schoology where you post you post assignments to like a Facebook type platform. So if I needed you to read something, I would post what you're supposed to read and I would post the questions that you need to answer. And then you would read it on your leisure, answer them on your leisure. I would set a deadline and then I would get it back and grade it. And we'd offered Zoom. So like you might have 30 kids on a Zoom who have never Zoomed before trying to teach them a skill to then apply when they read independently. Ideally, that's what was supposed to happen. Nothing of the fucking sort. Like it was zero interaction, man. So then we come back and for middle school, the next year start school where you got to come to school two days a week. So you split the school in half and you had the choice. You could stay at home all five days or you could come two days and stay at home three days and remote learn. And they tried to figure out, do we like live stream the class? Do we have a Zoom class on your off days? Like what's the best way to interact? Total shit. So now we're this year and we're like, hey, everybody can come back, wear masks, stay six feet apart. (laughs) To now it's like, hey man, COVID's done, we're normal. Everybody gets to go (laughs) everywhere, it's all good. Even though it's still everywhere. Yeah, it's weird. So all that to say, not only have the kids changed for two years, but teachers had to change for two years. And it makes me wonder like, are the kids different or am I just not used to kids being kids? Cause it's been almost two years to what does a 14 year old act like come March when he's a male going through puberty and girls are wearing short shorts, crops and showing cleavage. Like, should he really be focused on me breaking down a theme in a book like animal farm or is is his interests are his interests elsewhere, you know? And like, maybe I, I forgot. Yeah. yeah. Well, even so prior to COVID back, I think I, I dated this teacher uh, about five years ago here up in Canada. And she told me that they're not allowed to fail anyone. You're not allowed to fail anyone and keep them behind. And she would show me these reports from these kids. And some of them would be like, 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 say like a book report or whatever. Some of them would be like phenomenal. And then other ones would be completely incoherent and complete garbage. But that kid who was phenomenal would go on, obviously. And that kid who definitely probably was hurting and had probably a very shitty home life still got pushed forward to the next grade. Like they were never allowed to fail anyone. The kids got wind of this, knew that they could never get failed. So where is the like extrinsic motivation to do it? Like you're not going to, it's going to be very hard to intrinsically motivate children. So when they know that the intrinsic extrinsic stuff, sorry, is not relevant anymore, they're not going to try, especially with COVID and the online learning and the fucking zoom stuff. Like they're just like, no, I just, I don't give a shit about that. Like in my opinion, school is like I said, an indoctrination camp and the only education that a child gets from that is the social aspect of learning how to navigate other human beings. Hmm. And yeah, there's going to be bullying. Like as much as bullying is awful, but that's, that's just what life is. And so what we're creating is this society of, for lack of a better term right now, so snowflakes who are entitled to, well, my feelings matter. You can't, 
you can't hurt my feelings. I need to be safe. And that's not the real world. Like we don't live in that type of world. And so when they come out of it, it's just like, like we're in, this is why we're in where we're in right now. We're in this fucking like animal, like you said, animal farm. I wish that you would teach that book to people because like people don't really get that that's the real fucking world. Would, so do you have kids? I don't know that about no. you. No. no, I don't. So if you, and I'm, I'm almost positive, I don't know, or if not, you'll think about it now, but what would you do with your kids? So like in America, you can homeschool, right? You have curriculum. I would, I would homeschool my children and I would put them in like a learning pod or something like that. I would find other like, uh, I don't even like using the word like-minded, but um, I wouldn't, I don't want to teach my child what to think. I want to teach them how to think, right? And that's what school is like the system is so old. It's like, there's a bell, ask your teacher if you can go to the bathroom, blah, blah, blah. Here's like where all these countries are. Here's the history of yada, yada, yada. And the only thing that's kind of relevant in my opinion would be math and sciences because they're kind of universal, even though science is a hot button topic at the moment. Well, I think, so yeah, math, like, so you, you go towards those truths of like, I know when there is one of something, I know if yeah. there is another one of something, I now know yeah. I have two of something. And I feel like science is really not so much about, I mean, there is a basic knowledge, especially with chemistry of like elements and reactions and, but it's the process. It's dude, we've spent a, like people have been fucking journaling about how to make its recipes, how to make cookies is science. And we know if we want this kind of cookie, you are in this kind of parameter. There's no fucking getting around it. Now, if you want to start figuring out how to manipulate that, go for it. But you got to understand what the parameter is. With history and English, you get to that. You got to trust the person who's influencing or questioning or drawing attention to specific events and elements. And that's where I find most people want more control over their kids. What do you mean by want more control over their kids? What they're exposed to. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Because they don't put um, at the same time. It, here's the weird thing. Like, is it, would it be crazy if your kid goes and has a polar opposite of you teacher, comes home with those views, and then isn't that your opportunity to discredit them and actually enlighten your child on the whole like counter-argument aspect? Remember when you were a child, how like once you start getting exposed to information that's out of your parents, like what they're telling you, you're kind of like, oh, well, this is my parents are full of shit. Like when you start getting to that age, it is you're like, oh, this, age. this is what the school is teaching me and, and yada, yada, yada. And so it's hmm. it's interesting. How, how old are your children? Um, I, I just have a daughter. She's 12. She's 12. And how how do you find when you interact with her about like let's say what her views are on culture and the world it dude i don't know if she really has views on culture in the world she has friends and um so like friend the big thing right now is is friends with phones and her figuring out yeah. who are friends that are cool but who are friends that you actually enjoy hanging with and it's that's key. It, and yeah, and it's like, 
all right, man, well, you want to have a sleepover? Awesome. Have a sleepover. Well, why don't you invite her? Nah, she's more of a hangout friend. And I'm like, what do you mean? Mm. She's like, well, I, we can do something outside for a couple hours and she's fine. Or like we can go to an indoor trampoline park and she's awesome to hang with. But then like when we get home and we go upstairs, like I want to play blank and she just wants to be on her phone texting people and like, like kind of like gossiping or talking about boys or like, or just taking like, yeah, yeah, like yeah. surfing, watching videos. And like, she doesn't even like really have me watch them or like, she knows I'm not into those videos. So like, why would I want to hang with her? And it's very interesting that that is what she's currently navigating. She's looking for her tribe, mm, honestly. Is yeah, what I look yeah. For. She's looking for her daughter. People. Sounds very evolved. She sounds like she's way above most twelve-year-olds. Yeah, maybe I don't know, right? Because mm -hmm. she's the only twelve-year-old that I hang with pretty regularly. <laughs> well, I mean, I I listened to the very first podcast that you did with her, and I thought that it was like, I loved it. It was brilliant because it sounds like she's someone, especially what you just described, that she's she realizes that like it's about like connecting and socializing and she's she's almost aware of of what's important to her at such a young age too like when i was 12 i was like oh that person's cool like cool i'm gonna go with them oh they're talking to that girl okay cool like so you know that, what i mean where she's kind of she's like you know what like she's kind of like you know just a surface friend like she's like on a surface level like i want to i want to find my friends who have depth and have like excitement that like light fire in me and that has so, personality man and sorry to like to just i'm maybe emphasize oh. the point because now i'm thinking about it like we have a very there's beachfront property here which is million dollar home <clears throat> 1.5 million dollar home and then six miles you can find trailer parks right like it, it, it there's a very big socioeconomic discrepancy pretty quick and the area was very yeah. segregated delaware's the northernmost southern colony i believe the mason dixon line sussex county the county that i'm living in that i live in is the northernmost southern county before the civil war so it was the highest it was the most northern place that you could still have slaves and like that like you you can forget that that you're in like that's part of what you're with so you have these pockets where they're racially divided towns right and now it's been gentrified but whatever Something that I find interesting is she's been exposed and goes to these homes that like, I'm never going to fucking have a beach house, man. I'm not going to have 5,000 square feet. I'm not going to have four different cars. We're, we're, we're not going to have that kind of shit. And I've been, not that she doesn't like those people, but she doesn't try to, as of right now, conform so that she can get access to what they have. Mm. It really is more about Oh, dude, she showed me like she showed me how to get better at soccer. That was fun. And I'm like, mm -hmm. yep. It's not that, oh my God, she had 15 soccer balls and she had this robot that would kick soccer balls to us. Or like, you know, it wasn't materialistic. It was very personified. And I hope she stays like that. And when we talk about influence, like that would be my more influence. It's not like, oh, dude, Alana has all, or this kid has all this stuff. That's awesome. It's more like, what'd you think about that? How'd that make you feel? Was that enjoyable, right? Like, is she someone you can trust? And stuff like that is more the emphasis. Yeah, yeah. Dude, in my opinion, who does not have children, so most people will just discard what I'm saying next, is uh, I think the most important thing when you're raising a child is not the information that you give them. It's, it's how they become socialized with other children and 
how vi how how much other children want to play with them or whatever like that or how much they can differentiate between who is uh like you say like oh she's okay to hang out with for whatever for a bit but like who do i want to spend my time with like who do i want to focus my energy on here and that is i mean in my opinion that is the greatest thing that you can do children are designed to play like they're not designed to go into a classroom and like conform they want to play and figure out who they are and how to think not what to think not not well i should like this person because they have a five thousand square foot beach house with a fucking robot soccer player kicking me those robot soccer balls it's like well i want to play with this girl because she plays soccer and she just likes to kick it with me and we just fuck around and we fail and we we figure out our failures and we laugh about them and she just judge me for failing and i like hanging out with her that my friend is a successful uh, child like you've sounds like you're on the right path yeah uh, excellent. i don't know you don't know you're just fucking winging you're, it like most people you're stand, yeah right because you really i mean you, you you honestly don't it's not again you don't you get influenced you have your own um your own moral compass would be the figurative language but you mm -hmm. figure out shit that's important to you and um what's been fucking with me lately actually is um and i think i'm gonna have someone who's trying to um who's a strong advocate for uh legalization of marijuana in delaware i think they're coming on the pod in about a week you guys still have legal weed still illegal there yeah dude so medically it's okay <laughs> if you have under an ounce and you get caught it's just like a speeding ticket but they can't but again what it comes down to man is they can't fucking figure out how to organize and profit it and i think what the sticking point is is they have these medical dispensaries that are in place with government cards that's price inflated. It's a fucking weed, man. We, like it should not be like $80 for a quarter ounce. Like it, it's mm -hmm. bullshit, the price metrics that they go, there's no market. So the stick up is the current infrastructure with the medical grade is trying to, I believe, trying to maintain that monopoly when it gets legalized and people are like, fuck you. Like we're, we're able to have micro brews. We got 18 different companies that make beer. Why can't we have micro brews and garden shops and roadside pot sales people? Like fuck, you need to regulate that much. So all that to say, like, it's a weird dilemma because drugs are drugs. And then as you get older, you start getting into the, um, like the, the, the minutia, the details, mm -hmm. the nuance mm -hmm. of what drugs are. And it's going to be a weird conversation for, with my daughter about like pot. And w what's the difference between a glass of wine or mm. a, a joint, right? Like what, why is it different? I don't know how I'm going to deal I, with it. Well, here's one thing that, that I've learned. It's not necessarily the drug in itself, like the wine, the pot, the cocaine or whatever it is we're using, it, it boils back down to what is the intention behind why we're using what we're using? Is it because we're hurting and we want to feel better? Is it because we want to enhance the specific situation? Like I said to you earlier, I haven't had a drink in two months. And it's not because like I think drinking's evil or bad. I mean, I'm just not particularly a fan of it. But sometimes every once in a while, I like to have a drink here and there. And, but, but I ask myself, what's my intention for wanting to have this glass of wine? What's my intention for wanting to drink on this podcast at the moment and this, having this wine? Well, it's because I wanted to 
feel more open and free perhaps or i wanted to like maybe jitter some or dull some like nerves or something like that there's, there's those are a lot of good valid reasons but it my intention i guess at this point was well I knew you were going to have some wine because, you know, free flowing conversation can seem to sometimes happen that way. And we can kind of just let things roll. Um, why wouldn't I want to smoke a joint? Well, sometimes when I smoke a joint, it makes me not maybe as sociable or I can get all paranoid or something like that. And I mean, I, I love, I love the, the Mary Jane plan. It's a cool plan. It's great. But for the last two months I've abstained more or less from it. I've been like, look, you have not been serving me. I've been using you as a crutch. I've been using you as an escape. I, my intention with you has not been to my being. You have not been helping me. You have been perhaps hindering me, making me dull, making me not where I want to be. So I recognize that intention. And instead of just keep flowing with it, like a lot of people would do, I was like, okay, let's stop. Let's let's reassess. Let's reorient ourselves. And that, and I've had that same issue with alcohol in my life. I think on the last podcast we talked about, I told you about the benders that I went on before in my life. And it's um, and so people say to me, it's like, well, you don't drink anymore, right? Because like you could go relapse and go on a bender. I'm like, yeah, I don't think so, but maybe maybe but what is my intention for this one right now is to have a wonderful conversation with a friend that i don't get to talk to that often and i enjoy talking to and sometimes when it's there i'm just kind of like yeah this is good like this tastes good and i and i enjoy it but when i'm like oh like i'm nervous i don't want to talk like oh well, that had nothing to do with it. Like, I didn't worry about jitters talking to you tonight. I just knew that having this glass of wine would be, it would enhance our conversation and our speak. And so it's like, why are you doing that? You can even take it to the next level. Why are you doing that cocaine? Well, uh, cocaine inherently isn't bad. It's again, what's our intention behind it? What are we trying to mask behind using it? There's this, uh, uh doctor named Dr. Carl Hart. I think he's been on the Rogan podcast before. Have you heard him? Is that the black dude, the Columbia professor who's like, yes. yeah, I do heroin. Yes, <laughs> and yes, make yes. love. And you're like, yes. what? He's like, dude, <laughs> we need to do a podcast. And like, it was like Prague. And we're just going to fucking snort coke, do heroin and go lit. And you're like, it'll be the cleanest shit you've ever got guaranteed. He's like, that's what's fucking wrong, man. You got all this fentanyl and people dying everywhere. Mm -hmm. And it's mm -hmm. like, man, if you legalize this shit and you were able and you set up testing centers, like I can go to Walmart and scan an item to know exactly how much it is. Why can't I just take a little bit of this after I buy it from someone and be like, yo, this is not pure. Why, why don't we have like if we can exchange needles, why don't we have chemical testing kits for people to exactly. make sure they get clean shit? He's like, these are some basic things that make a lot of sense if you're really about healing and helping. Sorry, but like it, it's a super 100%, 100%. interesting, like he was a super interesting guy because he's apparently oh, yeah. like fucking your Ivy League. Like, how do you have a job in a college and you admit like, yeah, dude, I do heroin pretty often. <laughs> exactly. Well, I mean, it's the, again, I'll circle it back to what's his intention behind doing it. The he's not doing it to escape. And that's when we start to realize like almost everything we do, all our habits 
our, our habits that we know that might not be good for us, but they make us feel better in the moment. And that's not necessarily bad all the time, but when they become habitual and then they start to compound, and that's the thing that we really got to pay attention to. So it's like when I was using cannabis last year, quite frequently all the time, it started to compound into the point where I was getting depressed. And I was like, okay, well, I'm depressed. So I'm going to use some cannabis right now because it's going to make me dull, make me not feel the way I want to feel. But when I'm like, oh, well, like I'm hanging out with some friends right now. I haven't smoked pot in a while. I'm going to have a little token. We're going to laugh our asses off. We're going to have a fucking gay old time. Like, that's not a that's not a bad thing. And so it's like, and again, I'll even pull it back to like working out. Like most people's intention for like wanting to work out is because, well, I want to lose weight. I want to like fucking look good. But primarily, that's what I would call the gravy effect. Like the working out and all that shit is you want to feel better and you're going to feel better when you work out. Anyone can say, when you go for those runs, bro, and you show me you're like shirt off, sun's out, run, gun runs out. Yeah. I'm like, you feel so much better when you come back. It's don't so you? weird, dude. You, you feel it almost instantaneously, man, just, just sun on the skin. And that was part of the COVID thing. And Rogan was into it. And it, it like might be anecdotal or it might be a placebo effect, but like, I feel good when sun is touching my skin and I'm being active, it could be fucking yard work. And I'm just like, dude, I feel better. And who knows why, right? But there's something within people where we're fucking, we're primates, man. We're meant to go swing. We're meant to go play. We're meant totally. to go test boundaries, right? Like, no, we're not fucking meant to be caged up and hold up. Like, how come, how come we have windows everywhere if the outside's terrible? Right? Like it's the stupidest fucking thing. You want, if you care about a conditioned space, why do you have aspects of the outdoors that are unconditioned entering your conditioned space? If that was the case, we'd just be fucking sealed off, man. You'd make homes completely tight. And it, 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 it's not what people want. We want open space. I was walking uh, the other day and we came across this uh, old age home, or I want to call it an old age prison because the Dude. windows had fucking bars on them so it's like and, and not to cut you off but I, I i didn't mention this at covid like that's an aspect i had not heard people say was the depression as we're keeping our grandparents safe who have to be who have to be isolated in a nursing home or within their own home the fucking depression at the end of their lives from not living I, like i didn't hear any sort of stories about oh you know i'm so grateful that while I feel I have five years left in my life, two of them, I was able to be alone and alive. Where's that fucking story? Never, nowhere. Because I'm almost positive most people at that spectrum of their life, the reason they're at that spectrum of their life is to fucking enjoy every single day. Mm -hmm. And they look for experiences. All they want is a grandchild. All they want is someone yeah. to come by and listen to them. All they want to do is go out and because they never fucking know their mortality so close. They're like, yo, this literally could be my last car ride. It could be my last time at a beach. This might be the last time I see a sunset or smell the ocean or pick a flower or fucking tr like trip and fall and break my hip. But at least I was doing something that I was able to have. I had that moment. And like mm -hmm. that's, that's where maybe I should have gotten better at like the, the counter argument of you're going to kill your grandparents. Okay, well do they want to die alone? Like that, that's why people live. That's why she had me so that she could die alone from me. 
or hug you with like a bunch of saran wrap on her. Yeah, no doubt, right? Or to fucking wave through a window and not be able to hug her own grandchild. Like it, it was, it, I don't know, man. Like that. It's wild. Like, so one of my really good friends, he's uh, 83 years old. And during this whole COVID debacle, like, he says to me, he messaged me. He's like, Spencer, he's like, can you get your hands on any poison? I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, uh, you know, like any kind of poison that'll kill me. I'm like, oh my God, that's morbid. Like, why do you want to die? He's like, well, I'm not allowed to leave my room. I can't go anywhere. Like, I, I pretty much sit in this fucking room all day doing nothing. Like, sure, I go on the internet, but it's not helping my mental health whatsoever. So at this point, like I'm 83, I've lived my life and apparently I'm not going to be able to live life anymore. So he's like, he, he legitimately was like, can you get me some poison to kill myself? Dude, it goes with what you were just saying about like enhancing. And it, it's funny because you talk about enhancing like drugs enhancing. And I immediately, for whatever reason, um, went to sex and like, who doesn't fucking want to light up a candle and put on some music? Why is that a fucking trope if you're trying to get it on? Because what does right? it do? It enhances the moment. It's ambiance. Mm -hmm. Why do we care about the environments we eat in? Because it enhances the moment. It's ambiance. And if you look at drugs in that way, it, it's a very interesting way to perceive something that you've been, that people have been brought up to see as horrible because they're illegal. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And and like people like him, he, he was looking for that enhancement in that moment. I guess that's why I'm thinking about like now the yeah. older people who are suffering, it's like really they just wanted their days enhanced, whether it's conversation, oh, yeah. fellowship, an escape or an enjoyment of something that is fleeting them, man. And it's so fucking sad that like they don't get that. Like how many old dudes would love to just get like another bump just for the fuck of it to feel a rush? <laughs> Like, imagine that shit. They were like, you know, whatever, they grew up in Miami, right? And now they're like 70, 80 years old. And they're like, you know what would be great right now? Just a little bump so I could feel that like jolt, that excitement. That's all I want right mm -hmm. now. And like, why, why shouldn't we give that to them? Instead, we give them prescription drugs that numb them. Oh, I think it's atrocious how we treat our, our, our elderly population. You block them away in those... Uh, what do we call them? Old age homes or long term care, whatever you want to call it. We just want to push them aside and forget about them. But they're the ones who have the fucking wisdom of what life is, what joy is, like all that like stuff. And when I have conversations with old people, and then you really ask them the questions about what brought them alive when they were at this point in their life, what what made them sad, and all that stuff. Like it's 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 a wellspring of. Like, it's so refreshing to me because they don't get those questions asked. They always get, well, how are you? Are you doing okay right now? Do you, do you need anything to make you feel better right now? It's like, we're not asking them, like, well, what did you do back then? Like, how, how were you back then? It's just like, okay, let's put you in here. COVID's here now. Diseases are here. You're old. Like, don't. We just want to keep you alive. At, at what point are we surviving and at what point are we living like we got to differentiate between those two yeah because it's yeah it's are you alive if you exist are you alive That's right the, it's the pull the plug it, it's it's a very even though they're walking around they're like cognizant they're aware it's a pull the plug moment if you can't mm -hmm. enjoy anything that life has 
100%, man. And it's like, I don't want to be... Like, well, we keep these people alive way too long, too. And I don't want to say these people that was wrong. But, like, I watched my grandma get really sick for the last couple of years of her life. And, like, when I went to go visit her, like, she didn't know who I was, really. She'd kind of look at me with a glazed-over eyes and just be like, eh, eh. And, like, she was there for, like, a year. Yeah. And it's like, what, what are we doing here? Like, why are we spending upwards of... I don't know, half a million dollars to just to keep uh, a being imprisoned. That's what they're doing. That's what we're, we're keeping them imprisoned. And then for the five years previously, when they had that knowledge, we were kind of saying, okay, time for you to wind down. This is your last little bit of your life. Uh, I don't, uh, it's just so sad to me. Because like, if you look at tribal cultures, like those people were regarded as like, like the celebrities, those were the ones. Those were the fucking Nicki Minaj's and all right. that shit. Dude, they were ghoul because they yeah. were the ones that helped you to get shit done. Like I, I, mm. I don't know how to make a fucking hut. Well, you know who's made a million <laughs> huts in his life and figured it out. That's why you're here. That dude right there. Let's go. Like he <laughs> loves helping you. Like the Mister Miyagi's, right? Like that's, that's oh, the trope. Mister Miyagi, exactly. Yeah, like that. It, <laughs> It, it was real, but now, like, it, it's funny, like, with the more information you get, the more you can um, take your past and your heritage for granted. Oh, yeah, for feel- sure. And it's we've created this culture, this society where you don't really need other people. Like, well, yeah, you do if you want to be healthy and live a, like, a happy life, but you can go to work, do your job, come home, stare at your screen, buy whatever you need from Amazon or whatever it is, not really communicate or talk to anyone. It all just shows up. You don't have to build relationships. You can just live in a box. And that's why we have these epidemic levels of complete like nihilism, depression, um, well, narcissism. Like, right, like the, the, not to just make it all about drugs, but like, and I'd never got like super, I, I don't have a wide range of drug experience, but I do wonder, would I, if it was more like not only accepted, but experiences were built around it. Like we have theme parks. Why do I try to get the shit scared out of me right there. in Disneyland? Yeah, right? Like that adrenaline of like, oh my God, I'm falling. I could die. Like, why do I try to go 60 miles an hour in something? And like three flips. And But maybe there would have been all these other experiences that help you to understand, oh man, I want to enhance. I, I, want, I want that to be my lane, right? Like I, I don't, it's a weird... I don't even know where I was going with that because I guess I got so excited about thinking of like drug theme parks. What's that say about me? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, drug, okay, let's talk about the the number one drug on the planet and that is sugar. Oh, yeah, right. Sugar, which is, you can walk into any fucking store and it is everywhere. Like, there's your fucking Snickers, your Skittles, your Kit Kats right here, right in front of you. Come by me right now. And we're like, well, it's not harmful, blah, 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 blah. But how many people got diabetes? How many people are obese? How many people are like hooked? We're hooked on it. Like, and I know that because when I, when that sugar hits my mouth, I'm like, oh, and it's just like heaven. You can feel that dopamine rushing. I love this taste. And yet we just accept it. Be accepted as like, 
you know, well, sugar, you know, Mars bars, candy, it makes me feel good. But we, we, it's the fact that it has long-term consequences. The short-term is just like a sugar, maybe a sugar high. Maybe your kid's excited and it's like super hyper or whatever like that running around. Um, but then all of a sudden your kid's like some fat little fuck and doesn't want to take his shirt off and go swimming because he's too afraid of his man boobs or something like that. Yeah. And I can relate because I was that kid. And it took me, it took me a long time to figure out, okay, what are drugs? Like what, what exactly are they? Are they the ones that the people tell me that I shouldn't do? Like, don't do drugs. Don't smoke marijuana. Don't do whatever the hell they say. But, but yet you'll push all these other ones because you're going to tax the fuck out of them and you're going to make money out of them. And you know that the sugar and all that shit is going to make people sick. And then the, medical industry is going to make a ton of profit on all those medications that you need to take because you've never taken care of yourself. It's uh, it's very interesting. Yeah. And it, it's such like an easy logical argument. I, I need to talk to people who can make, like can tell me that that's wrong, can explain to me why that's wrong. Do you know what I'm saying? Cause it's like, well, well, why what's wrong? The, what you just laid out. Right, like mm. the the financial gains of medical oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. institutions, like w- medicine is a for profit business, like mm-hmm. which is really fucking weird. Like we act like health, like they're trying to look out for you, like the like sick care is what it is. Sick care, man. But they don't want you to be healthy because they don't profit when you're healthy. They need you to be sick. They need you to be dependent so that they can mm-hmm. then charge. And I like, I need someone to help me understand why that's not true. Even, even if they lie to me, just for me to have like the counter argument presented, because I can't get to a valid, huh, let me consider that. Well, I mean, it's all about preventative health, right? Like you can get someone healthy. They're not going to be beholden to whatever their, like, you know, let's say their statins or whatever their high blood pressure medication is or whatever their, whatever it is that they're taking, they don't need to take it anymore because, well, they eat healthy or they move whatever and pull it back to Hippocrates, like fucking from 400 BC, that Greek medicine dude. And he's like, I love this saying. He's like, let food be thy medicine and thy medicine be thy food. And because we all have heard you are what you eat and you literally are what you eat because it takes roughly seven years for those cells to break down of all the garbage that you've been eating. And so when, you know, eating McDonald's once in a while isn't that bad, but when you're eating it in the frequent your whole body is building those building blocks of garbage. And then has there been stuff up there like in Canada, like obesity rates have increased with COVID. Have you noticed oh, any sort fuck of, yeah. like, is it legit legit? Or you just like walk down the street and you're like, man, mediums are becoming extra larges. <laughs> oh yeah. Like, I mean, they've changed sizes of clothes now. Like, so when I order clothes, I have to be like, okay, are you a large or are you like a fat large now? Like I need to, it's like, I'm a, I'm a regular large. I just want to know if you're where you're at here. Like, Wait, seriously? Well, that's in America too, right? They changed the sizes. I don't like think the that. Size. I don't, oh, maybe I haven't bought clothes in a while, to be honest with you. <laughs> I'll have to go look, man. Next time I go to the outlets, 
Um, but that, God. Yeah, I, because y'all seemed way, and it, again, like, I don't know, not again, but like thinking of the lockdown, I was thinking of when I spoke to some people in London and like there would be cops going out to ticket activity. Like you got an hour outside, I was told. Really? At certain points in London, yeah. And it just goes to that unhealthiness of, well, if you need to be, if healthy people survive COVID, shouldn't we encourage everyone to be as healthy as possible at the moment? So I was curious, especially Canada being way fucking colder. Like I, dude, I do not want to go for jogs in the cold. Wind's blowing and it's cold. I, I've really got to have it in me. I'm, I'm David Goggins testing my <laughs> inner bitch at the moment to like get out yeah, there yeah. and get a couple miles in. And I couldn't imagine if I lived in Canada, like how would I stay fit through those dark days? And then you put COVID on top of it and like, I can't get to a gym where it's like a conditioned space to do it. That's why I was curious if there was a like a legitimate uptick in diabetes, in obesity. 40% uptick on, uh, over, uh, people getting obese, 40% uptick. I guess people who are listening to this can go check that out. <laughs> but no, it's again, like I, I, they shut down the gyms, they shut down those in extrinsic places where people need to, to do their thing. Like not everyone's disciplined like myself who like can just, you know, I can sit at home. I can do push-ups, I can do pull-ups. I can do squats. Like I know how to do that shit. Most people know need like that outlet where they can, have other people push them, have other people tell them like, okay, you're doing good, blah, blah, blah. But they promote this mindset of stay home, order takeout, liquor stores are open, the weed stores are open, everything else is non-essential. That was trippy. So that was up there then too, huh? Oh, um, yeah. Down here, at least in Delaware, the governor came out and was like, if I close the liquor store, because we need the hospitals to focus on COVID, the hospitals. Oh, I, we had that same thing here too. I know you're going to say because because all the alcoholics will be flooding the the hospital. Yes. So that oh my god, that's just a universal like go to. Yeah, I but do, it's true. Yeah, is it like that? That's something yeah. I don't know. Like I might be. I don't know. I didn't drink the last two days. I didn't go two months like you, but I did have two days where I was like I didn't have a drink of alcohol, and then I'm like. If I have a drink, it's usually like if I'm out doing shit and I like grab lunch and I just love sitting at a bar, having a beer and whatever, you know, and like that can lead to like, fuck, man, I've had a beer like five days in a row now. And you're like, whoa, am I an alcoholic? Because I come home and I have like a couple glasses of wine and you're like, maybe, maybe I am dependent. And so I, I've never, maybe my fear has stopped me from looking at what al what makes you chemically dependent on alcohol have you ever looked into that or know oh, anything I've, about that dude I've, I've deep dived into alcohol i've gone deep yeah i've i've studied this shit i've told you about those vendors right and so you have to ask yourself what would happen if you didn't have a drink for a month would you like what would go on with you it, it's almost like smoking sometimes like i find myself if i'm looking forward to a podcast i'm like dude i want to have some wine and get to know people or if i'm sitting at home editing a podcast like it's it's an addition if i'm watching a game mm -hmm. it's an addition and i don't know if it's an enhancement i feel like it does get me more hyped 
Like, I don't feel mm. the need to be on my phone right now while I'm conversating with you. That, that it's mm-hmm. right there. I can see it. I'm not worried about, oh my God, do I have a message or anything like that? Maybe it's because I'm a loser, mm-hmm. but like, <laughs> ultimately it, it's like, I don't feel this need to constantly check and update that where I've heard that's mm-hmm. addictive, but it, in my head, I'm like, am I addicted or is it just a habit that I'm not ballsy enough to be like, dude, just, just fucking stop. Well, what's, what, what would you call a habit? What is a habit in your opinion? Something you do repeatedly. I'll break it down. It's uh, a habit is an redundant set of unconscious thoughts, behaviors, or emotions repeated over and over. Unconscious? Mostly, yeah. So like that would be like, why do I have this wine glass in my hand? Or... Because to me, it's like the conscious well, decision. To well, like yeah. Well, okay. So store. not all. Not all. Sorry. It's like a lot of our habits are like. But no. So but, your typical, what that your would typical, mean is like drinking alcohol is not a habit because it's not unconscious. Like I'm making a conscious choice to go get it to uncork a bottle. But why do you want to do that? To make uh, a conversation? Okay, so you might not be a good example. Um, <laughs> no, I might. I don't know, dude. Like, I've never. I, I don't know. I don't like psychoanalyzing myself and shit. But like, it's it's something. When where, we start to psychoanalyze ourselves, it starts to get ugly, and we start to go, "Oh my god, what? what why am I doing this? Like, what am I doing my behaviors for?" Like, then you start to go, "Okay, well, I want to." Boil it down to the simple fact of, well, I want to feel better in this moment. I want to make this moment, like, feel good. Yeah, the enhancement aspect, right? So then that's a good intention, right? But sometimes it's like, where where are we going with this? It's like, well, I can't do this podcast or I can't edit this video unless I have this wine because it won't be as good. Mm. Yeah, I don't think I get there. I think it's more, it's not like a fear based of if I don't have, it's more the enjoyment and celebration of, it's honestly like, like it makes it a moment and maybe that's marketing that's gotten me, but like Mm. having a glass of wine, like it makes it an occasion. It makes it special. Mm. Maybe I just don't have enough special shit in my life. Maybe that's a void that wine is filling. (laughs) Well, I mean... (laughs) What uh, it's okay. We, we don't have what, to like get into it to make it about me. But I'm I'm curious about like the alcohol addiction part versus mm-hmm. the habit part. That that's what I was curious about. Like when because you can become physically dependent, right? Like I remember totally. the Nick Nolte movies, fucking like shaking like crazy, and he has to have this thing, and it's consumed his life. And I'm like, do I know people like that on the low or? Alcohol is the only drug that, like, if you, well, no, actually, there's benzodiazepines, but alcohol and benzodiazepines is, like, the only drugs that if you are habitual, like, regular with it, and you come off of it, you have, like, I think it's, like, a 10 or so percent chance that, like, you'll physically die. Like, heroin, no. Like, cocaine, no. But alcohol, you come off of that if you're a habitual drinker, like I'm talking about, like, you know five, six, seven drinks a day all the time. Or if you're like one of those bender people, like I used to be where you go on a bender for like 10, 15 days 
and you come off of it, there's a there's a strong chance that well, strong meaning ten or fifteen percent, which is I don't know, it's pretty strong in a long yeah, scheme dude. of things. Yeah, you I mean, dude, if you went Russian, so Russian roulette, sixteen percent oh, yeah. chance, right? So if you go oh, yeah. ten to fifteen, if you go on the upper end of that, that's one out of six. If you went ten, could you imagine a gun with ten chambers and there's one bullet? Mm-hmm. Like how ballsy, how confident are you ah. on pulling it? I don't like playing that game, but I did. <laughs> Do you know what it what it is? Like, what is it about basically grapes and wheat, right? <laughs> Fermented mm. grapes and wheat that make our bodies dependent physically? Um, I don't know the per se exact science of it other than it's a poison, right? And so our liver is trying to detoxify it. And so it gets so used to that poison and then when you pull that poison out of it, it kind of goes into shock. Like, oh shit, like I don't have to do this anymore. Like, what am I doing here? Like, what is my job at this point? Like, what are, what's going on? Oh. And so I'm sure there's a hell of a lot more people qualified than I'm saying, but my experiences <laughs> were, okay, where are we here right now? I can't sleep. What's happening? Um, where do I, what do I do from here? And It's, uh, again, this is like 10, 10, 15 years ago. I'm trying to remember, but they were, they were, they were, uh, very interesting learning periods of my life. And I've, I've told people before, they're like, well, did you ever wish that you never did that? Or did you ever wish you could take that back? And no, like I learned a lot in those dark, dark areas. Yeah. Is that because it was so extreme for you, is that part of why you don't worry about having some wine right now and falling back to it? Absolutely. Cause like, I don't, yeah, I don't really, it doesn't really affect me in that same manner as before, where it was like, I'll circle it back to the intention of why I would have gone on a bender back there. My intention was, well, I don't want to feel, I don't want to feel the pain of this world right now. I don't want to feel the pain of my thoughts, my inner critic, my inner judge, my inner bullshit. I just want it to go away. And then once I got into that cycle loop and I can guarantee you it's genetic and it's the, like I had my family members who did the same thing. My dad did the same thing. His dad did the same thing. It was just a cycle. And so it would kick in and it would just kind of override and then once once you're in it, once you're in it, you're not thinking. You're not like, oh, okay, well, I just want to not feel, blah, blah, blah. You're just like, okay, here's my drug. Here it is. I need to keep taking it. I need to keep taking it. And then now I, I like, like, I honestly like clarity so much better. Like it's, it's, uh, it's a drug in itself, like being able to, find what I need to find when I need to find it, <laughs> know what I need to know when I need to know it and speak when I need to speak when I need to speak it is so much more intoxicating than going, okay, I just don't want to feel right now. Oh God, the world's tough. I hate myself or whatever the bullshit story I would tell myself. That's <laughs> what did you just say? It cracked me the fuck up. I almost lost it, but like it was like what, what, knowing where my shit is when I need to know where it is. Like there's nothing fucking worse. If you're like partying with some people, you're hanging out and you're like, 
whatever. Where are my fucking keys? Where did I park? Like, how did I get to this bar? And like, you're you're a fucking child, man. You're 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 fucking you're a toddler hoping yeah. that you're leashed to somebody and you don't walk out in the middle of a street. It, it like it's funny that we giggle about it because honestly, it's like who would fucking respect it? It's weird that like oh, dude, he smashed allows it like the bravado you were so brave to take that extra shot will excuse you pissing and throwing up all over yourself and it's like when else could we see a dude that pisses and throws up on himself and be like that's a dude like no nobody would say that we want clean cut clarity motherfucker even you with the scruffy beard and i'm trying to get there with my beard like it's clarity Right? Like, it's not a slop. You don't have a bunch of food hanging in your shit and vomit chunks. Like, it is it is odd that it gets, um, like, glorified, romanticized. Wow. Well, I mean, it, 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 you can pull it all back to the level of how much we love ourselves, right? And it's, just, it's, it's bandied around society. It's like, well, we just don't love ourselves. And we have all these self-help books and all these fucking information on how to love ourselves. But why don't we love ourselves? Like, what is, what is the underlying question? Like, I'm sure we've all asked ourselves, like, fuck, I'm a loser because that person said this to me or because that, that happened to me when I was seven or whatever it was. Like, so it's a journey of coming back to love all the broken pieces, all those dark areas of who we fucking are. And that's one thing that's, I mean, it's been a fucking amazing journey in my life. That's where I've come. Like I used to, and, and I still catch myself. I used to judge my level of, of value and who I thought I was a person and how much other people liked me or how, how much they thought I was cool or whatever, whatever the fuck I used to yeah. say. It's like how much you liked me or whatever would determine how much I loved myself. And then when I was able to figure out that none of that mattered and that who I was as a person and who, how, how I treated myself and how I was truthful to myself, like becoming true to yourself and stop lying to yourself. That is what really starts to cultivate that, that level of trust, that level of awareness that we can find and then once you find that in here, in your heart, in you, it reverberates outward into everything else that you do. And then you start to see how hurt everyone was because how hurt you hurt you. Like, like I'm sure you know that no one can say anything more mean than what you say to yourself. Man, dude, I've thought about that and I'm pretty fucking heavy on the self-negative talk. <laughs> I'm not very encouraging. I, I like, I, it's something where like, if I need to, if I need to push through, I'm not the, come on, Sean, you can do it, buddy. You've been there before. I'm like the quit being a fucking punk, man. Like pick mm -hmm. up the pace, you little bitch. You know, like yeah, I'm yeah, yeah. super negative towards myself. Yeah. But the hurt, when I think of when I've been hurt, it's when I've trusted that someone is okay with me and I discover that they're not. And it's like, I always knew I'm whatever, right? Like, I feel like, you know, yourself better than anyone else. But when I thought Absolutely. someone else knew that about me, and it turns out that they're either not okay with it, or that they think that aspect of me is not worth their time anymore. 
Mm. It's like then you put your self worth into their opinion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, because I knew my self worth. It's more like the hurt of, like it feels like a broken trust. Like fuck, dude. I thought I like whatever. Like just take something as simple as like sarcasm. It's funny to me because I can be very deadpanned with my sarcasm. A lot of people are like, dude, I can't fucking tell if you're like, like you're always like. (laughs) When Trump was president, I was like, thank God for our supreme leader Trump. And I would just say the shit whenever I could, thanks to our Supreme Leader Trump. And they'd be like, I can't fucking tell. And I'll be like, I'm completely making fun of this shit, right? But they, yeah. they, the sarcasm, if someone knows me and then all of a sudden for some reason they're like, dude, I'm just done with your sarcastic ass. It was like, whoa, whoa, whoa man. Like I thought that we had an understanding and now I've gained a relationship with you and that gets taken away from me being me when I thought contractually it was okay for me to be me. Well, people put these uh, expectations on us and they also put these, so I like to call it a level of trust, right? So it's like you want to have a level of trust with somebody. So you had, you had this level of, let's say like 85 out of 100 with this person. And then you said something to them. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh, Sean, like you're a fucking idiot, blah, blah, blah. And so that level of trust with that person just dropped. And so it boils back to, have you heard of the, the four agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz? No, but I have $400 that um, I have to spend for my school budget and I get to buy a bunch of books. And I think I'm going to be super selfish and take people who give me these recommendations and use my school budget to get like the best fucking hardcover books and have just some dope ass philosophical library. So get, the four get agreements, this book. sorry. Get, okay, so he's actually made one called the fifth agreement as well, but I'll boil it, I'll break it down here. So the four agreements is number one, be impeccable with your word. In a nutshell, tell the truth or at least don't lie. Mm. number two don't take anything personally wow that's hard i take everything personally dude that that's what i've discovered about myself and i'll know what the other ones are but as i'm going here i'm like i feel like i'm pretty decent with my word i'll say stupid shit to be stupid and make people laugh but i'm not trying to manipulate very rarely Mm -hmm. if ever am i trying to fucking lie to you but Mm -hmm. if if you say something like i get accosted I'm like, it's a, it's an assault on my character. And it's like, why it's a, am I taking that shit so personal? It's a reflection of their own inner self, lack of uh, fragile sense of self-worth more or less. Like, so they're going to call you and you're going to always have haters. So just yeah. d- don't take it personally. Yeah. Don't take anything personally. And then number three, which is one that I love as well, which I'm sure you've heard before is don't make assumptions. Yeah, I didn't know these put Interesting. Because I feel like I will do assumptive. Okay, so I'm one for three right now. All right, yeah. clearly I need to And change. then number four, always do your best. I feel like I'm pretty good now, at that one. Now, your best is going to change from day to day. Like some days you're going to be sick. You're not going to feel great. Yeah. And like, yeah, you sure you don't want to go to this job where you got to wash dishes. Like, but here's the deal. You signed up to go to this job where you got to fucking wash dishes. So you might as well wash those fucking dishes as good as you can wash them because you fucking agreed to it. And so it's like, 
if you're feeling sick that day, you're going to wash the dishes to the best of your ability that day, whatever, whatever it is. And I'm using just a dishwashing example. No offense to all the dishwashers out there, but whatever. And then the fifth one, which is my favorite, because the, the original one's called the four agreements, but then he came out with a new one called the fifth agreement. And it's be skeptical, but learn to listen. You had said that earlier. So that's where that came from, huh? Yes, absolutely. Why do you think he added that? Or did it, did you read the book and he explains why he added yeah, he, ex- he explains it because he's figured like he can't throw too much at people at once. Because <laughs> <laughs> that one's like, you know, it's... Most people hear something that they don't want to believe and they're just like, they dismiss it right away. Or like, especially if it came out of like, say like Donald Trump's mouth, they're like, Oh, Donald Trump said it. I don't even, I'm not going to listen to it. Right. You, you know, you don't think that contradicts the third. Don't make assumptions. Be skeptical. Like that's mm. interesting, man. Cause that, that's, that's one of those lines. No, right? I don't like, think being skeptical is making assumptions. I think it's just don't like, like be skeptical because you never know. But at the same time, learn to listen, whatever's coming out. And then use your, like your, oh God, I can't think of the word right now, but like your thoughts of what could, could not be. I don't know. I I like it. I follow that. I follow that shit to a T and it seems to reward me when I do. Why the fifth one? Why do you connect with that so much? I think it's probably because I'm skeptical by nature. I don't necessarily believe the <laughs> truths that people show me and tell me. I'm always asking the questions. And so usually when I start asking questions and then when the people start getting mad at why I'm asking certain questions, then I know that I'm onto something. They're like, why are you asking me this? Well, I just kind of don't understand why you are saying this. Like, what do you, what is your point of view on this? Like, it's like any, it's so, I find you're never really going to change someone's mind by telling them your opinion or what to do, but you're going to change their mind when you start asking questions about why their opinion is what it is or why it is what they do. So when you ask those questions in a, in a certain way, then they'll start to go, Oh God, why, why do I think that? Or why, why do I Dude, live it, my life? That's the, that's the key to a, a, to me, in my opinion, a good teacher is when a kid's lost, can you ask the questions to help them discover it versus mm-hmm. tell them what to do? And my Absolutely. favorite, my favorite is we call them word pickers. <laughs> it's like you ask a kid a question and they just throw a word that you've spoken about before. Like, Oh, it's the central conflict. And you're like, dude, we're talking about math. Like I asked you about a number. Why are you giving, I know, I know I'm the ELA teacher, but like, like we were talking about math and it helps the kids to realize, like, take a breath, man. Like you don't have to immediately respond. Like, ah, let my words sink in, process it. And now give me where you're at. Cause until I know where you're at, I don't know how to help you get to where I need you to go. Exactly. Yeah, no, it's it, it's the it takes a lot of faith to ask questions versus speak. It really does. Oh, it's easy to tell anyone what to do. Like, oh, I read this in a book. Do this, blah 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 blah. But if you can ask the right question that is pertinent at the right moment and the right time, that you can see, they're all of a sudden their brain, their eyes look over and they're like, hmm, you know what? I never really realized why I did what I did that or why I thought why I thought that. And that's like the golden zone. That's where my that's where my whole energy lights up. I'm like, yes, yes, we got this. How much 
I can't remember if I knew this before because I I knew you were doing some yoga classes because I we had basically met like pretty early into the pandemic. But how much gets like philosophical and counseling with your yoga stuff? Or is that just something that's like more like a personal hobby <laughs> that like comes up afterwards in like basic conversation? Uh, so I actually started into like personal one-on-one coaching as well. So like, I I, I hate using the word life coaching because it's like, so thrown out there, like everyone's a fucking life coach now. Um, so coaching one-on-one and I do run a, a men's, what I call a men's yoga development program, which will be launching on March the 20th for anyone in Dundas, probably no one who's listening will be in Dundas, but anyways, I've got a full program on that almost. And, uh, so it's. They, they come into that program thinking that they're going to learn how to touch their toes or become more flexible or more strong or whatever it is. And granted, they will learn that as well. But I take them right into that philosophical. Like the real yoga is the eighth limb of yoga. It's like a step-by-step methodology on how to bring awareness and understanding to your experiences of what life is. And it literally can help you create the life that you've always wanted and create the habits and the systems that will benefit you in your dreams and your goals. So I kind of use the yoga hook as kind of like the, Hey, because like it's hard to go, Hey, like, let me show you and tell you what you should or should not do. No one wants to hear that shit, but they do kind of want to get stronger and more flexible. So I kind of throw this whole spin on it and yeah, coaching one-on-one like this last two years, Sean, since we last talk, I've been taking on one-on-one clients quite frequently and, it's been amazing just seeing the transformation in these people from like broken, like, like, again, we're all broken from, from being super broken to less broken. And that's where I, that's where I just, that's where I feel. I love it. That's what I love. Functionally broken. <laughs> yeah. Make them functionally broken in a sense that they, they are in control at this point, not as like the victim, like, Oh, poor me. Like this happened to me or, Oh, I, whatever their excuses and their stories are. So dude, it's something, um, in a real simple way, stretching with my daughter, she runs, um, and stretching with like basketball dudes and basketball dudes are the worst fucking stretchers in the world. Like they're always wound tight. It's like, dude, you above everyone need to fucking stretch more. Cause you're just, you're, you're quick twitch all the time. Like elongate that stuff. But you ask a dude to bend over, touch his toes. And the moment they feel that sharp, they don't want to breathe and exhale through it. And it's been a while to help my daughter to understand, like, watch what happens when I exhale. We'll do like some stupid partner stretch where we'll sit down on the floor, face each other. We'll go feet in like a V manner. So our feet are pushed against each other. And it's like, pull me and like pull me straight down. So my chest goes to the floor. And now I'm like, just watch what happens. And I'm not super flexible. I'm nowhere near you like, flexibility wise from what I've seen. Like, but I'm like, yet, let's just reframe that yet growth mindset. So, but it was, it's funny when I'm like, just watch what happens now that I'm feeling pain and discomfort. I don't push away. I I don't snap back from it. I release breath through it. And it's amazing that the breath helps the pain to go away. And I can find the next couple inches that, I don't have. And it took Mm -hmm. her about a month through COVID to be like, so I have to trust that when I exhale, it'll stop hurting. Mm. And it was like, yeah, man. Yeah. 
And it seems like a lot of people are so wound in their minds that I'm almost wondering like conversationally, if it's like, like functional brokenness, wait, so if I kind of process this shit, I'll feel better. Mm. <laughs> it's like, yeah, 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 yeah. dude, it's that's, okay. That's, that's what I love, man. I relish that when people get that click and I can see it in their fucking brain that shifts and they're like, oh, so I have to lean into the discomfort. I'm like, yes, not pain, not pain. Pain is not good. The discomfort is okay. Allow that discomfort to flow through you and then breathe into it. Yeah, man. It's, I don't know if it's a survival technique or if I don't know if it's a, like a, a, a symptom of our comfort that we so just are it's so... It's a symptom of our culture is what I believe. Yeah, where we just want to avoid the discomfort at all costs. Mm -hmm. so, it's become so easy for us to do that too, right? And not only that, to distract. Be comfortable and distract ourselves. And the most like, like growth comes in that discomfort. Like how many times do you get better when everything's going good and everything's comfortable? Yeah. Well, you technically can't, right? Yeah. Like you, you it's just, I, I feel like there, it would be a scientific principle, but like how, how do you get better without discomfort? Like you're never always going to be like, Oh my God, that was easy. And like, Oh, that was mm -hmm. easy. Like I, I can't think of one example where lifting more weight or jumping higher, running faster, being smarter happened by not struggling through something. Exactly. I mean, Jordan Peterson says it's great about the lobster. So have you heard, have you heard of his lobster story? Uh-uh. Actually, no, he, he, he loves lobsters because they fight. Sorry. I heard this one Jewish rabbi say it. It's like, so the lobster has their shell and, um, they shed their shell and if they want to get a bigger shell they have to completely lose it and become vulnerable so so predators can come eat them way easier they can stay in that small shell the way they are and predators may not get them as much but they need to shed that shell become vulnerable get uncomfortable and then become bigger they grow bigger and then a new shell forms but there's that period where they have to, you know, no risk get worried. No risk about, yeah, no <laughs> risk, no reward. And again, we're in this culture of ease. Like it's so easy. That's why I, I gravitate to people like David Goggins and all those types of people. Because not only because it's inspiring, but because I got the data points. Like I know when I get uncomfortable and I... I don't want to run up that fucking hill when I'm like suns out, runs out, motherfuckers. Like, I don't want to run up that fucking hill, but I know that I'm going to feel better and I know that it's going to make me grow as a human and as an individual. I don't want to squat. I don't want to deadlift. I don't want to pull up, but I know that I'm going to get stronger and get better and get smarter. I don't want to read complicated books. I don't want to tackle complicated topics. I don't want to offend people. I don't want to go in these areas, but I know that when I think in real time and I have these conversations with people that I grow and I start to learn things, am I going to get things wrong? Absolutely. But am I going to be afraid of being wrong or looking stupid? Maybe, but that's, like, <laughs> that's part of that's, that's part the course, right? That's like, that's, yeah. But I think that almost goes to that first rule, um, and I'll, I'll fuck up the wording, but w what was the first of the four agreements? Like, do not lie? Be impeccable with your word. Be impeccable with your word. So, like, that's where people get caught up. 
and the more I've listened to people who speak for livings, it's like, yeah. And it's can be as simple as a sportscaster. Yeah. I thought blank player was the best or yeah, I thought blank player was going to suck. Now new information came. Why can't I take that and now change mm. my mind? So exactly. it's not that I'm an asshole. It's not that I'm lying to you. It's that at that mm. moment with what I had, that is where I was. That was my belief. Mm. Mm-hmm. So you shouldn't hold that against me. Why would you not want me to be honest and forthright with you? And then at the same time, why would you not want me now that new information comes to open my mind to change? And that goes with actually the fifth one of like, be listening. The most attractive people to me in life are the ones who are presented with information and they're able to change their minds and look at things differently. Like those are people who want to grow, who want to get out of that lobster shell and are like, you know what? Yeah. Like I might, someone might judge me. They may think I look, I'm stupid or I said X, Y, Z back then, but I'm really to change my opinion with new information presented to me. And those are the people who, you know, Mark Twain says it best. And it's like, this is the whole COVID nonsense too. It's like, it's easier to fool someone than to convince them that they've been fooled because they just don't, they're so stubborn and they hmm. don't want to admit it. That's, I mean, that's pretty good too. Easier to fool someone than convince them that they were fooled. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People just don't fucking like being wrong, man. Very no, bad. it's the ego, man. Let go of that nonsense. Let go. Be okay with being wrong. And how many times have we heard in those self-development stuff and the people? It's like fail hard, fail often, fail, fail. fast, fail, fail fast. fast. Yeah. Yeah. And now we just hand out precipitation or precip- participation trophies and don't fail people because like it'll hurt their fucking feelings. Yeah, it, 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 it is. We talk about it um, where sports is the last being in a school like sports is the last true market accountability, like <laughs> self. It's like a lot of self-actualization helps or happens in sports because kids think mm. they're blank, like they're the shit. And then all of a sudden you got a dude that comes out and grabs room. And you're like, wait, I'm, I can jump high. And then they try to jump. They can't even grab net. And you're like, yo, that's a foot and a half difference, but Mm -hmm. you're the man. And it's like, no matter how much you get told, how much you want to deny it, it's there, man. And like, no matter what, it's always 10 feet. It's always 10 feet. Yeah. And it's like, that's one of the last realms of metrics performance matters. Like you don't get to, you don't get to lie your way out of it. You don't get to rationalize your way out of it. It's like, can you do it or not, man? And that's it. It's uh, I think it's part of why sports are so appealing because it's one of the last frontiers of unknown where it actually is um, like spontaneous. It's unpredictable. You don't know what could happen next where everything else entertainment wise is so redundant. Absolutely. Like once you stop lying to yourself, it starts and to life. reverberate yeah, outward. Yeah. And I was just like, you could add to that, like life, like people crave the redundancy in their lives and then they look for the spontaneity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Dude, it really sounds like, I know you, it seems like you hated COVID. I don't want to speak for you, but it seems like you um, took COVID to your advantage. Oh yeah. Oh, big time. Yeah. <laughs> so why was COVID bad then? Like it makes me, it honestly makes me wonder like, 
as a teacher, I get summer break. I get that two months off and it's awesome. Wouldn't trade it for the world, man. It's fucking, it, it, I'd encourage it to anybody. Get two months off, get a paycheck, follow, find some interests. But like, why shouldn't we have like a great reset every 10 years, man? Why shouldn't all of society get like a whole fucking year where it's like, dude, you're locked in. Figure out a way to get better. Well, I call that winter. <laughs> and I know a lot of people don't get winter. Um, well, not like, but it's it's a time for us to, most people don't want to look at those skeletons in the closet. They don't want to look at what's going on inside it. So COVID was a time where you could actually look at your bullshit and go, okay, where are my where are my leaks? Where are my gaps? Like, what is going on here? And you could either go, I don't want to look at this shit. Okay, hold on. We got Netflix out the ass. We've got alcohol out the ass or whatever it is to distract. And that's, that's a nice, easy path where it was put to me this way. You're either going to come out of COVID like uh, a hunk, a chunk, or a drunk. And <laughs> I want to add an extra, <laughs> I want to add an extra thing too. It's, you can come out of there like a, a better human being for yourself. Like you got to understand who, who you are and what, what pushes your, I don't want to say buttons, but what inspires you, what makes you want to grow. And I was lucky enough to have had savings in my account to go, okay, so you guys are fucking me with my income. Okay. Well, what am I going to do? So then I was able to pivot and go, okay, well, I'm going to start coaching clients on a one-on-one -on -one basis who aren't like COVID crazy. And by teaching others, I was able to teach myself, Sean, like, and it was, it's, it's, it's an old saying. One of my teachers used to tell me is like, we teach what we need to learn. And when I started mm -hmm. teaching, I started learning. And I'm sure you get the same when you start teaching yourself, like you're learning when you're teaching. What were some of the skeletons or what would, what do you think the biggest change for you that you discovered? That I was, like during COVID or like, what were you yeah. happy with that you were able to have the time to like deal with and process? I don't know how to ask the question. I feel like you get the gist, but it's like you came out. I learned, I learned, I learned that I was not my thoughts. I learned that I was not the stories that I was telling myself and that the stories are what they just are. They're stories. And that if I don't like it, I could change it. And I am able to essentially through persistence, dedication, breaking through resistance, walking into the fear, I was able to just kind of reframe a lot of these stories that I once told myself of, oh, but I can't do this because of that, or I'm not lovable because of this, or I can't do that. Was and it was mostly like, like uh, and I want to say like, you were kind of doing the waiter thing and you were looking to travel the last time we were talking. Yeah. Was it like taking the step into trying to like make a living off of yoga? Mm -hmm. Is that one of the stories that? Yeah. I mean, yoga was the catalyst because yoga is like I say, most people think yoga as like, you know, downward dog fucking Lululemon pants and all that bullshit. But really yoga is like a, it's, it's a path. It's, it's in the mind. It's how you like, like I, I think I told in the last podcast, it's like nonviolence, truthfulness, non-excess, um, self-study, uh, surrender, like, 
So you knowing were, you were doubting that? Is that what was going on with you? Like, you, were you trying to go all into that, and then COVID allowed you to be all that? Hmm, that's a good way to put it. I would say yes. I would say yes. It totally allowed me to really accept it. And it's like it's like that serenity prayer, right? Like, what? How does it go? Like, God, give me the strength to. How does it go? Do you know what I'm talking about? God, give me the yeah, strength to change. I've, because I've being Irish, I've definitely been to AA meetings. Um, yeah, the strength, <laughs> the strength to change what I can, then the strength to no, yeah, I don't know it. The, to the accept what I acknowledge to the know knowledge the difference. to know what I can and the courage to do what I can or something like that. No, like, it, like it's yeah, yeah, exactly. You got to Google it now. I'm right, Googling so this shit you're, right yeah, now. While you're Googling, it, let me see viewers. if I can get it. So, God, let me have the strength to make the changes I need to accept the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference between the two. Boom. There you go. Was that close? I, I feel like I fucked up the beginning, but I, that's the gist. So that was a little- To accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, yeah. that it goes down to control. So that was like the real battle for you that COVID allowed you to- lean into and figure out like, Hey man, that's my comfort zone. Like I want to be, you're choosing to be the, the and I'm not mocking you in any way, man, but like, cause you got to put title on shit, like the Yogi. And you're like, dude, mm-hmm, that, that's mm-hmm. where my happy is. That's mm-hmm. what I want to do. That's pretty fucking cool, man. Cause I don't think a lot of people get the time. And that was like part of the universal basic income argument is like, maybe people need time to be like, what would fulfill them? And it's really yeah. cool that you were able to do that. Well, I was on that path and I was kind of floating because I was still back and forth and I was like, oh, I've got to make money. And like, I have this accounting background. So I was thinking, oh, I'm going to go back and do taxes and all this bullshit. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> Could imagine what your office would look like, dude. <laughs> you people coming in with a fucking manila folder of W-2s and receipts. <laughs> sorted by date and like your office i'm just god what would it be like the music that would be playing the water streams that would be going the fucking ninja swords nunchucks and shit like the the quentin tarantino death balls if they sit in the wrong chair of what could happen to them like oh my god you i did not fucking know that that you had an accounting background oh yeah oh fuck taxes are my jam but uh, it's so, I mean, it helps in my life now how I have to be creative. But. Right. I don't know, man. I, I didn't mean to um, take you off the story, but I just, I, you admire, I, it's easy to admire people that can find the passion and then have the balls to pursue it and not only accept it, but embrace it and be like, yeah, man, mm-hmm. this is what I'm comfortable rolling with. can't tell if you froze on me or if you're Googling something else. <laughs> Maybe it's Zoom being like, hey, man, you're rambling at this point. And yeah, like I was an asshole here. I was an asshole there, whatever. But how am I going to be going forward? Who am I gonna, how am I going to treat people? And that's where I put the most stock in anyone. It's like, how do you treat people? I don't know, man. I think the world needs a little more love and we're at this point where everyone's just trying to 
tear each other down. And what we need to be doing is building each other up. And I get the most, like when I write my gratitude journals and I write every night when I, the most prevalent thing out of all of it is I get so much joy and satisfaction of when I lift people up, when I give people compliments or whatever it is, like, like a, just when I was going to buy the wine at the liquor store today, I was like, oh, hey, man, I really dig that neck tattoo you have there. It looks like it's going to come in really nice. And just looking at the, and like I meant it, it was it's genuine too. Yeah. And the guy looked at me, he's like, oh, man, no, thanks, man. Like, I appreciate that. Just saying, oh, hey, man, I like, I like your coat. Or oh, I really liked what you said that day. Or just people don't get that anymore. And like lifting people up lifts me up. So maybe it's selfish. No, right. Is it, or is it more like, a purpose, right? Like, could it be that I, 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 I don't know, man, but it is one of those things of like, maybe because I talk about stories or like narratives pretty much all mm -hmm. day, but it's like, everyone has a role. Yeah. And how unhappy would you be if you were trying to do something that's not within your role or your skill set? Like you'd constantly be unfucking fulfilled. You'd constantly feel like a failure. And what's exactly. wrong with accepting your role? Like that's what sports is all about. Except what, totally. what fucking helps the team? And what if it's as simple as what fucking helps life? <laughs> Figure out that's your so true. role. Right? Like if maybe it's that simple. What is your fucking role? If your role is to go around and make people feel better and that makes you feel better, is it really selfish of you? Or is it like I'm doing what I do and I feel good when I do what I do? So what's the issue? I couldn't agree more. And uh, I had something to finish on here and I totally blanked. It may have been the bottle of wine I drank, but um, well, give me a second. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, and it might be, um, do you remember? And I believe the last time I asked, you actually were one of the first people that I tried to do the end of the podcast segment on. Do you remember mm. how the podcasts end or I try to end them now? Yeah. Right. And I want to say yours was you stuck on a fucking side of a mountain in Iceland, which yeah, yeah, yeah. was a, like just one of those where I'm like, yeah, definitely following this motherfucker. Um, so do you want to do an official ending or did I buy enough time to make you think about what you were thinking of? No pressure. <laughs> I had something really good to end on there and I'm just kind of like, fuck, I lost it. And I know as soon as we end this conversation, it'll come back to me. Good. Um, it'll be for the third one then, or just for ourselves when we talk again. Oh, no, exactly. I love, yeah. I love just chatting in general, but. All right, man. So. Well, let's do this. I'll make it official. Can I get your second best first for last? We've saved the best first for last. Sponsored by Abstinence. Waiting makes it worthwhile. Maybe your best first COVID for last. Was there something? Because we kind of started with COVID. That was what I was interested in, your COVID experience. Was there a really cool first with COVID that you took away? Mm. No, the whole thing fucking sucked. Well, it didn't suck. It more or less... Uh, it allowed me to be more true to my being, who I am and what I, what I 
personify, right? It allowed me to give way less fucks about what other people think because I am so much more true and honest with who I am. And again, the honesty that I have inside of myself with how I treat myself, it reverberates out into all my relationships. And I'm telling you, Sean, the more honest I am with myself, the more honest I am with other people, and then the more abundance flows into my life. So if anyone can take anyone this whole two and a half conversation, two and a half hour conversation is start telling the fucking truth. And I know that's hard, but at least stop lying to yourself and get your shit together. Own your shit. Stop playing victim. I know we've got stories that we keep telling ourselves and that we can convince them is true. Is it hard? This is something I, I struggle with and I don't know if you do, but if to be truthful, but to do it while being an asshole is my struggle. Like I'll be too blunt. I'll be too curt. I'll be my mm, timing. I get what you're saying. So, up, you know, but so, like ultimately the intention is pure. My delivery is shit and it ruins the message. And I was wondering work, if you work on the, with that. Yeah, no, I, I totally struggle with that. Cause like one of my MOs when I started coaching people was like, I coached them by like, cradling them and punching them in the stomach at the same time i'm like oh it's gonna be okay but you're a fucking idiot and like, boom 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 so it's it's about delivery and it's about the language in which we use to one another and like yeah like i get your sardonic nature i get your sarcasm right but other people might not so it's figuring out that balance like life is a it's a play like yeah. all the world's a stage and we are nothing mere but players yeah, right. That that would be yeah, man. That would be tough cuz when you're telling the truth, you feel like the truth is the ultimate. But at the same time, it won't be truth if the people don't accept it. I don't know if that's like super wise, but I feel like someone's probably said that better. But like is truth truth if it's not accepted as truth? So the delivery has to be everything, man. Absolutely. Are okay. Oh, I know how I wanted to end this. So <laughs> thank you. It came back to me. So our <laughs> our most our most valuable asset that we have is our story. Mm. Whatever your story is, like think about the amount of information that's out there nowadays. Like everyone has the ability to, to learn anything they want on the click of a button. But your story and how you deliver it and how you talk how you express yourself is your most valuable commodity. So learn your story, own your fucking story. Don't play small because people will relate. People will hate, but they will relate and they will love you. I want to add to that because you just made me have a point of realization. When I talk to people, if they don't share their story when I'm speaking to them, I don't trust them. I feel like they have an ultimatum or they're hiding something or there's something about them. And I don't take it as like, I'm not worthy enough to hear your story, that type of shit. It's more like, why the fuck can't you own what you are? Like, mm, I'm, I'm not a shame. A, it's because of shame. It's something, man. Right. You think it's shame, huh? That they're, of, of, it boils down to all that always. Yeah. They're, really? they're shaming. They want to. They want to look cool or whatever like that. Whatever they want to call it. But your story, all your idiosyncratic neuroses, all that stuff, is going to relate to someone. It's not going to relate to 
everyone. You're not going to be able to. So just own what you have, learn it and tell it and be proud. Yeah. Like it's not easy. I tell you that, like, trust me, I've, I wanted to manufacture my story. So I come off as the most cool person in the planet a million times, but yeah. I don't give a shit anymore. Now I'm just like, this is me. And this it's, is how I roll. It's liberating, man. My, so just cause we've spoken about her a bunch and her friends most likely won't listen to almost three hours of a podcast, but like my daughter with a pimple right on her lip. Right. And we're talking about it and it was like bleeding. And I'm like, dude, were you like chewing on your pimple? Are you picking at it? And she's like, no, but I had to go like to the bathroom. And it, it was this thing. And a teacher called her out and was like, oh my God, did you stab yourself? And I was like, what, like, did that like mess with you? Did that shut you down? Or did you just embrace the fact that, yeah, at this moment I got some blood on my lip, which could be embarrassing. And she was like, I was like, I, I made some like stupid joke about him and I like got a tissue so I could roll with it. And I'm like, cool. I'm like, if somebody would have made, instead of him saying you got stabbed, if he said you popped a zit, would that have changed you? She was like, no, nah, I don't think so. It's the same thing. It's just bleeding. And I'm like, yes. Because if you want to deny the fact that it's a zit, now you open yourself up to being hurt and being played. And now you're pretending where if you just own yeah, it's a fucking zit that's bleeding. <laughs> like, who's going to have power to make you feel bad about it when you're already a little self-conscious about it? And I feel like our stories are very similar to that when you're that high school kid with a zit that you're trying to hide. You're so worried about it being exposed. Where if yeah. you just own the fact, like, oh, look at you, crater face. It's like, yeah, good one. Did you watch a lot of TV last night to come up with that snarky remark? Thanks. See, see in period two, Tom, like it takes all the power away and it's so liberating. Totally. I mean, the best comedians make fun of themselves first, right? So you can't really get at them anymore. It's... That's how Eminem won the eight mile. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So what I, well, the best I can say to anyone who's still listening is own your fucking story, own your shit. Yeah. And start taking responsibility because in, Empowerment comes via responsibility. You're not a victim. Don't believe what they tell you. You can always get better. If you get 1% better every day, at the end of the year, if you started getting 1% better, you would be 37 times better by only getting 1% better. Small steps, right? Small steps. Lead to, lead to greatness. Compound interest. We all know the power of compound interest. You've all taken math. <laughs> I can't believe you're a fucking accountant, man. Like that, <laughs> not anymore, not my friend. I, I dabbled in that for a few years and I was like, ah, it's not my thing. Yeah, I do. No doubt. Um, Spencer, man, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to crack a bottle of wine and um, yeah, let man. everybody catch up with you in COVID, man. It was, um, it was good just kind of like shooting the shit and going theoretical and um, hearing yeah. about how you've um, not found a niche. I feel like that's dismissive, but found yourself with the time you were given, man. It's very That's cool. the greatest compliment ever, man. Finding myself is that's truly what I have found. And I love that. Thank you. I really appreciate that. I really, I really recognize, I, I really appreciate you recognizing that. Yeah, no doubt. It seems there, there's, and last time we spoke, there was no camera, right? It was just straight voice the mm -hmm, whole time. Mm -hmm. And it, 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 there's a different, I don't know, man, moxie confidence about it. 
you know, maybe it's, mm-hmm. I don't know, I don't think it's just because I'm seeing you, but like, it's, it's awesome, <laughs> you know, and there's more like a contentness. There's more like, a, yeah. hey, man, this is what I'm about. That's awesome. Fuck, man, I can't wait to keep connecting with you, brother. Yeah, we'll, we'll Love be this. around. Thanks to Andre Psyche for supporting the Getting to Know You pod. Search up Andre Psyche on social media. Give him a follow just for the fuck of it. Dear listeners, if you've enjoyed getting to know today's guest or just want to support this upstart podcast, go to our Patreon. For as little as $2 a month, your donation will help with all the costs associated with producing the Getting to Know You pod. Don't forget the three free ways to support the pod. One, subscribe to the Getting to Know You pod. Two, Friend and follow the Getting to Know You pod on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Three, go to Apple, write a review. And finally, if you or someone you know would like to become a sponsor of or advertise on the Getting to Know You pod, we would love to partner with you. We have a wide-ranging global audience that would like to get to know more about your brand or business. If you're interested, just message us. See you.